This is the Post America Podcast. That's right, motherfucker. What the fuck you know about podcasting? This is our shit. Post America. Macho Black, Richie Crutch, Chrissy the Baboon. Post America Podcast, son. Download that shit, motherfucker. Richie again, Post America Podcast. Still doing his thing, getting people on the phone. Today we're lucky enough to get our friend Freddie, who's very elusive. Freddie from Madball. He doesn't talk a lot, so this is a big deal. We want to know what he's saying. How you doing, Freddie? Yo, what's happening, Richie? What's up, Yo, you uh, when it comes to the interviews, you don't do a lot of stuff, right? Uh, I wouldn't say that. I mean, I, I do them. Um... I guess especially like when we're about to drop a record, you know, we, 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 you know, cause that's when they get set up a lot of times. Yeah. But as of lately, no, I haven't been doing a ton. It's actually been pretty quiet for me. Yeah, man. I, I've, I've, I've done like almost, I did one thing with Drew Stone during this whole lockdown thing. And then this is it. Like now I'm talking to you. Yeah. Yeah. And even when you do them, you're kind of, uh, you know, you kind of got a certain style to you where you don't say too much, I noticed. You can <laughs> strict, strictly business, you know what I mean? Sometimes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Well, check this out. You mentioned it, and this whole, uh, you know, you, you did one other in- interview since this thing, and this yeah. thing is this pandemic and right. this crazy uh, this crazy thing we were all thrown into. I know you had the, uh, as far as a business venture, you had the Black and Blue Bowl coming up. And then you had uh, tours lined up, right? Absolutely, man. Yeah, big ones, you know, important ones. You know, we had Rebellion. Set, that was the first tour. It was going to be Rebellion in March. And then got shut that, down. That's right. That was almost exactly at that time, right? It was. It was exactly to the day. It was like we were leaving on the 12th. And that was when Trump said no foreign travel in or out. Yeah. That day. <laughs> that same exact wow. day. Yeah. When you were talking to the booking agent, like in the days leading up to that, how were they? Like, what was their their uh, feedback to you about what's going on in Europe? You know, it was, uh, you know, Uta is our booking agent from MAD. And obviously I was talking to her a bunch. And then I was talking to my team a lot, which is like Rob and Theo, all the guys, you know, all the guys. Yeah. And um, I was just trying to, like, get a feel for it because, you know, initially – um, I was kind of like, man, this thing is just, I feel like it's one of these things that's like getting a little bit, uh, hyped, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and honestly, I still feel that way, but I can't control what governments and the machine does, you know? So yeah, I was just trying to feel out like, is this thing going to really, uh, be an issue for the tour and blah, blah, blah. So, so the, it was like mixed mixed things so i kind of had to go off of everybody like uta was extremely um paranoid and rightfully so because what she was hearing was like everything's gonna get shut down kind of vibe you know rob was kind of in the middle somewhere he's like yeah they might shut it all down they might you know i don't know and then theo was kind of like i forgot where he was on it but um basically long story short I had to make the executive decision to say yes or no to the tour without it being entirely shut down. Like 
I was kind of just gathering information and, and, and going by like what I was feeling in my gut and what I was hearing. And, um, once one show got shut down, I was kind of like, that's not good because that's one less show. And as you know, every show counts with our thing, you know, it's like, it's not like, uh, you know, we're getting a you know, million dollars a show here. You know, it's like one, one show is, is, is catastrophic for a hardcore tour. Mm-hmm. Um, so then another show. And then, and then this one's on the fence. And I, so it, this is, um, and, and mind you, we're talking about within the span of days that we're trying to figure this out. So I'm trying to gauge all this, like, as it's happening, you know, in real time. So it's, it's kind of, it's crazy. So I finally shut it down and said, we're going to have to postpone because it doesn't look good. And then literally the next day or two, that's when uh, Trump was like, no traveling. And I think wow. techni- technically I could have made it there because yeah. I think they were allowing Americans to leave. But then coming back, that would have been a, that would have been an issue. You yeah. Know? You know what? Actually, actually my sis, my uh, my niece was living in, in Italy during that okay. time. Okay. And after he said that, my brother said, yo, you got to get home. Let's go. And then, you know, we didn't know if it would happen. But she ended up just getting, f- buying a flight, getting on a flight and coming home. And right. we thought that she would be stopped in Italy. Then we thought she would be stopped in New York, getting right. off the plane. But she just made it in. So I, I don't That's really, awesome. you know, he definitely said that, though. And yeah, he did. I was thinking, like, this is crazy. That's when it became believable. And then when I saw a couple of examples of, like, sports getting shut down i was like wow that's Oof. crazy yeah no when all that started happening then you knew it was like okay they, this shit's you know they're, they're really going for it with this thing so yeah yeah i it's it sucks man because you know you uh, guys are uh yeah that's your job that's uh, our job yeah yeah and uh yeah. you know i was talking to a couple other guys from some other bands and i'm uh armand a little bit and you know another full-time musician at Right. Makes a living off off this beautiful music of ours, but it's what what a like a punch in the gut, you know? Massively, man, massively. And you know, I can only speak for myself, but like I made the mistake of not having a lot of money saved up, you know, which it is hard to it, it's it's hard to save money doing this to begin with. You know, we're like kind of like tour by tour, check by check kind of situation, you know. Mm-hmm. Um but every now and again, if you can squirrel a couple of bucks away, it's a smart thing to do, right? Especially when you have a family and you have a house and all this stuff. But um, yeah. I had just been working on my house. So I had just been blowing money <laughs> and, and, and anticipating that I would be having a good year ahead of me. You know, like Rebellion and then Black and Blue and then this and then that. We had some Canada stuff lined up. We had a whole summer of festivals. So I was kind of gauging like, okay... I don't have a lot saved up, pretty much nothing, but I'm going to be making money and I'll be able to pay my bills and take care of what I have to take care of. And then, then my whole world got turned upside down, like a lot of people. You know, I'm not, yeah. by, I'm not alone. Yeah. You were doing the math and ma- mathematically it looked all right because who could ever foresee this? Right. You know? Right. Exactly right. Exactly. I mean, when... Like, you know, you were talking to your team, you were talking to your booking agent, and like, what was your just... Your gut feeling was it just that I got to cancel this tour and this is gonna suck, but then they're gonna realize this is some bullshit and then things will get back to normal, or were you just from that point on like, oh, all right, everybody's taking this real serious? Like, how did you feel about it? Well, the dilemma was really 
you know, obviously I was like, man, our finances, you know, not just me, the whole band, the whole team, everyone's counting on this tour. So that was my initial thing. But then I was like, well, I can't think selfishly like this could be like, uh, you know, this is like a global thing that's happening. Right. So it's like um, and I also got to think about like. What if I go there because, you know, I'm so. You know, I want to go there and make it happen for the people, but also because it's our job and all these other factors. But then what if I get stuck there and what if the tour is a disaster and I'm going to end up worse in the hole because now I got two, I got a tour bus. I got this. I got I committed to it. You know, so it's like, yeah, once you commit to something, you commit to all these bills and all these other things that come with it. And so I was thinking of all these things because, you know, I, I'm the person that's like, you know, dealing with all that. That's my yeah. job. You know, that's the job I took on. So I'm having to make a decision on the whole entire tour, canceling the bus, telling people that there's going to be no work, telling the band that it's done. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of pressure, man. And like I said, it was just happening in real time. Um, my buddy Mike was, was here, was, was at my house working on my house with me. And, you know, we were like, you know, my wife, you know, it's like, just, I had kind of like, what should I do? Kind of like, you know, and, and, and I'm just like getting advice from all these different, you know, people close to me. And it was just really hard to gauge, man. Cause it's like, what if I cancel and this thing is not as big a deal. And then mm -hmm. I just lost out on a tour and now I'm really in a, in a bind. But what if I commit and then it is a big deal and then I'm stuck in Europe. So I ultimately, I made the right choice. Yeah, um, yeah. And I went with my gut and I've learned over the years and I know it's a cliche thing to say, but you really do have to sometimes trust your gut because in a lot of situations in my life, when I went with my gut, it usually was something worked out in a way where I could handle it, I could deal with it. And when I went against that feeling, it was a lot of times a mistake, you know, it was... Mm. It, so, so, so I do, I do sort of believe in that sort of instinctual thing, that gut feeling thing, but it's hard, man, when it's actually happening, you know, in hindsight, you can go, oh man, yeah, I did the right thing. Of course, look at this, what a mess. But when it's happening in the moment, I just came back from California. We just did a tour. I was like, what? Like, what, what's going on? Like, yeah. this, this seems like kind of out of nowhere. Like, this is kind of like, what's happening, you know? Very bizarre. It's bizarre. It's bizarre for sure. Yeah. And you got like, you know, like you said, you know, you're responsible for the family. You basically played a role of like management for the band itself and absolutely and all the business working. So, yeah, that's 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 a tough situation to be in. It's basically a roll of the dice, you know? Yeah. And, and now we're at this point, though, where you said earlier, it doesn't matter what we know or what we feel about what's going on. It's they're calling the shots and either things are open or they're not either. You could go here or you can't, you know, like it's it. so, yeah. So everybody's just at the, uh, the mercy of the powers that be at this point. And, you know, I, the people think, Oh, you know, you're a sheep. If you do this, you're sheep. We got no choice. I'm not a sheep. If I don't go to the movies, the movies aren't open. I can't go. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. What are you? yeah. I'm not, I'm not with that. I, I obviously, you know, you know, you know, guys like us, we're not sheep. You know, we, we think for ourselves and, 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 and all that, you know, so I, I'm with you there. But yeah, I mean, there's things that you just can't control. And, 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 and that's that, 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? I can't go and force somebody to fly me somewhere if they're not going. There. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then when I get there, I can't force the bus company to take me somewhere and force kids to come to a show. To, you know, mm-hmm. I, you can't force, you know, there's unfortunately a lot of things that are out of our control. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. do I agree with how everything's going? Do I agree with what's going on? Do I do I? No, I don't. You know, and I'm actually not part of the status quo when it comes to this thing in a lot of ways. But um, but yeah, you know, it, 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 there's things that are definitely out of our control, and that was one of them. You know, like yeah. I couldn't make that tour happen even if I wanted to. It was like, and I did want to actually. It was like really looking forward to it on so many levels. We had a great lineup. Looking yeah. back, that lineup was real dope. Yeah. yeah, it's a dope lineup, and you know, obviously, it's our job. But you know, we we were itching to play. We love Rebellion. You know, you've been on Rebellion. Like it's a fun yeah. tour. So fun. You know, Everybody's on a bus. It's one of those deals. So maybe in America they uh, they don't know because the rebellion hits through through Europe. But sure. Rebellion Tour is basically a tour that's the whole it's the whole brainchild of, of yours, right? Yeah, it is. It is. It's yeah. like a, it's it's the title is the Rebellion Tour, and 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 once a year it's Madball putting together a package of their liking and just going through Europe and key cities, really uh, strong shows, comfortable tour. Yeah, the rebellion is dope, man. It's yeah, it's always, like a, uh, a package tour. You know, it's kind of like it's always you know our tour, but like like you said, you know, we always try to mix it up with the lineups, and it's a yearly thing. I mean, it was going to be our ninth installment of it, so it's yeah. been going on for that long. You know. Yeah, the couple times you invited us to do it, I mean, like bands Biohazard, Ignite, H two O, like there's so many, so many dope, dope, dope shows, man. Yeah, that's kind of and plus in Europe and in that scene. It's sort of like a, you know, it's it's like a, a little holiday. It's something everybody knows. Oh, this is the time of year rebellion tour. You know. Sure. Yeah. yeah. It's like the persistence, like a baby version of the persistence in a way. I mean, a smaller version of persistence. You know, because persistence yeah. has different headliners. Sometimes it'll be suicidal or hate breed. And for those in the states, persistence is like a branded tour done by MAD, who's our booking agent, and and it's like a revolving headliner. And it's it's dope. It's like you know a bunch of yeah, you know, yeah. hardcore different styles of hardcore bands. Sometimes we, we were uh, we were lucky to be a part of this year because that was the only sh- 2020 shows we played because it was in January. There you go. So you guys yeah. did that last one, right? Yep. And awesome. then th- that's the last shows we played were Persistence. Who headlined but, that one? Was that I know H2O uh, was on it. Gorilla Biscuits. Oh, Gorilla Biscuits, right? And that my was brother Gorilla was Biscuits. It, yeah. yeah, Agnostic Front. It had Street Dogs, H two O. So very, yeah, very, very cool. And uh, it's just, yeah, it's a shame. But what, yo, what gave you the idea to start Rebellion? It's kind of like a ballsy move to to do something like that because you got to you, you once you do it once and you like title it. It's kind of like, yo, it's it's a thing now. We got to keep it going. It's like putting a lot of burden on yourself, you know. Yeah, you know, uh, we were talking, look, those things are not, I didn't invent uh, the package tour, you know, those things have been happening forever. Some have been successful and some have not been, you know, like different, different bands throughout, you know, the years have tried different versions of like doing like a branded thing, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But it it had been a while before um, anyone had done it. And we didn't do a persistence tour for like many years and for one reason or another we just 
we weren't getting asked or we were busy or something. So I kind of was just like, you know what? I'm going to do my own version of that. But it's going to be, you know, revolving around Madball. Mm-hmm. And I want to say that at one point I even had a, I was, I think we were like on touring or playing shows with Terror. And um, I was talking to Scott about it. And, 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 and you know, he, he was, he thought it was a great idea. And like I said, well, if I do it, you know, maybe Terror should be one of the, you know, first ones. And I think they were. I think the mm-hmm. first rebellion ever was us, Terror, and then a bunch of other bands like that. And, and, and so I'm the type of person that if I speak about something, I'm going to try to make it happen. You know, like, uh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't like to like speak out of turn. Like I don't like to hype something unless yeah. I'm going to follow through with it. So mm-hmm. I did, I just followed through with it. I was like, okay, we're talking about this thing. And then I thought of the name and then I put out an EP rebellion EP. So I was like, let's call it rebellion tour. Like kind of just boom, you know, like, let's just roll it out like that. And I gave it a shot and it was a success. So I've been doing it ever since. And some have been bigger than others, you know. Some have had been more successful than others, but. Um, but that's always the case, isn't it? It's kind of like the trends of the moment, and then, absolutely. you know, timing and is is important. But yeah, it's a, it's a big. The Rebellion tour is really cool, man. And this the idea that it's consistently Madball, and then, you know, whatever right. Madball cooks up before them, it's just it's a it's a cool idea. I guess that's what makes it a little unique is that, you know, a lot of times like branded tours are like, you know, you kind of rotate headliners or, or, you know, and obviously the lineup, but with our thing, it's like our thing and then our friends or whoever, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah, it's, it's cool, man. I want to keep it going. It's, it's, I was really looking forward to this next one. So hopefully we've moved it to 2021. So, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Now, what's the talkings with the booking agents and in the, in the music world? You know, this is your job. You do this full time. Is a, anybody saying any any like uh, any things as far as time, like uh, around this month, around this year? Like, you know, does anybody know anything at this point or no? It's always been up in the air from day one. You know, we were like kind of going by like what the powers that be were, were were doing. You know, so and 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 in Europe is the exact you know, same, same deal as over here. So yeah. I've been, I've just been in touch with Europe constantly with Uta and everybody and just like feeling it out. And like, we were thinking maybe this year at the end of the year, we'd be able to like make something happen maybe in England or go somewhere. And then like every few weeks, it seemed like things are just getting pushed back further and further and further yeah. to, the point, to the point where like all the summer stuff got canceled and either got rebooked for next year or is in limbo. And then, um, yeah, it's just like, it seems like next year is going to be the year to get back to doing live music because, you know, people are either uh, too afraid or just whatever it is, you know, it's just people are just waiting on, on, on to see what, 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 what transpires, you know? Yeah. Now I've been asking, uh, Whenever I got somebody from a band on here lately, if if the opportunity came up, somebody offers you a show, you could pull it off. It's in your interest to do it. Looks like an easy one, two, three. But it happens to be during this pandemic, so you will probably get some negative feedback from people within the scene. Would you would you do it or would you avoid it? Um, 
Or you don't have to answer if you don't want. No, I don't. I'm going to answer, brother. <laughs> I, I have no shame in my game. Um, you know, it's a tough question to ask someone who's broke <laughs> because, you know, it's like it's, it's no, I got you. Not yeah. to harp on it, not to harp on it, but like financially, we're all struggling, man. Like I said, like we didn't come into this with like some kind of savings, and like we're not getting that top forty royalty check coming in the mail tomorrow, you know. So it's like it's hard times, you know. Like I, I'm like I put the word out with like friends that work in different trades. Like I, I'm ready to like go to work, you know. Like I'm not even playing around. So if an opportunity came where it was set up properly and like we can make a couple of bucks and it would make people happy to get out of their house i mean honestly i might do it because and i'll give you two reasons why well number one we got to feed our families and, and mm. that's a straight up yeah whatever however you want to look at it you know it ain't glamorizing anything it's just uh bare bones facts you know mm. but aside from that aside from that I also don't think this thing is as crazy as people were saying. Yeah. So that's my second reason. And that's the reason that I'll probably get more flack for because anyone could understand that you got to feed your family or pay your bills or whatever, whatever. I mean, we're all in similar places with that. Um, I mean, yeah, we've been helped a little with stimulus, a little this, little that, but you know, it's a tough time. And yeah, man. People would probably say that's irresponsible. Some would. Some would. But yeah, I'm some. looking at it like, listen, you don't have to go. <laughs> yeah, so that's what it, I'm talking about. Yeah, it's like, you know, we're talking about consenting adults. So, like, if you, you know, want to go, then you're welcome. Yeah. And, 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 let, and let's say this pandemic wasn't going on and you guys chose to play in some half abandoned squat somewhere that was dangerous and the floor broke. Be worse. It would be, it would be, it would be worse, but it would be cool somehow. You know what I'm saying? Hey, oh, Mambo yeah. was playing in some fucking squat. Asbestos. You know, it's, it's, yeah, with asbestos everywhere, yeah. and and God knows what other kind of bacteria. And nobody would think that. twice. Yeah, yeah, but, no, people wouldn't think twice at all. Oh, it's wonderful. It is yeah, a very, fact, it's a very weird time, and it's it's very odd to see who chooses what direction to kind of cling to. You know, like yeah, we know people died from this, but we know people course. died from fucking everything. You know, like. Of course. Yeah. Like I say, if they offered us a show, yeah, we'll do it because we're, we're a hardcore band anyway. So we don't like rules don't really apply. Yeah. Like <laughs> say, I was trying to find the most not not diplomatic, but like, uh, I guess, trying to be sensitive to, you know, but everybody's too fucking sensitive these days. You know, it's, it's like I, like I I don't know. But basically, my answer is yes. Ultimately, it's yes, because not only do I need to pay my bills and take care of my family but it's kind of like f you too you know because you're right we are hardcore band and like let's do this you know we, we, we rebel against the whole concept because yeah. i think that the concept has been taken to another level i think you know the thing exists people have gotten sick people have definitely died and i never want to downplay anyone who lost someone over this you know i, I don't I, I would never downplay that that's sad and unfortunate yeah but it's like you said people die of the flu every year people die of other respiratory illnesses every year um i mean sadly i just found out today that i lost one of our brothers to a, a, a respiratory thing and 
and it wasn't COVID-19 or anything like that. It was something completely unrelated, but, uh, you know, rest in peace, Doyle, you know, but, um, yeah, I heard that news. What a, yeah, what a sweetheart yeah. of a guy, huh? Sweetheart of a guy. One of my guys, man, what a good dude. We used to yeah. sit around and talk about life and this and that and, you know, family and, and a real music lover, the dude, real music, music you know, legit hardcore kid, like, yeah, knew his shit. Good dude, man. Rest in peace to Doyle, you know. Like, and I literally just found that out before I, you know, came to do this with you. But my point, my point is that, you know, people do die. Sadly, people do die on a yearly yeah. basis. And, you know, I guess the argument would be, but yeah, this thing is new. But uh, I don't know, man. I mean, with a ninety-eight percent, uh, you know, chance of survival. I don't know that it's different from a bad flu season or other things that have come through, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You it's think about ha- it, you know, the, the extreme measures and maybe people could say, well, the numbers are low because we did take extreme measures and maybe that's part of it. You know, that's possible, but, uh, it <laughs> just seems like so out of hand at this point. Because we have the numbers now. We've been in deep enough. We know what the survival rate is. And I think treatment is much better, too. Turns out putting people on ventilators wasn't the greatest idea. So uh, I was never for that. I got to say, I mean, I'm not a medical doctor, obviously. I'm not going to try and sit and tell you like that, you know, that I've read whatever books from, you know, look, the reality is that shit was never a good idea. That's an extreme thing. (laughs) <laughs> there's yeah. so many reasons why you shouldn't go straight to a ventilator and that was the protocol initially and i think it was i think it was bad information man yeah. you know well it turns out it turns out it was bad information because that's yeah. not the protocol now but right. we could forgive because if you're not familiar with something and you're learning in the, in the trenches right you do what you do mm-hmm. but at yes this and no. point yes and no i got i got I, yeah yeah no yeah, I, like, I mean it's you know, <laughs> I'm just trying to give them a little bit of leeway, but uh, at sure. this point, I think they know better. So the the right. uh, survival rate is is even higher. Like it's right. people. I know so many that got sick and so many that were found to have been positive and didn't right. even know it, and it went away eventually. Like they, and they like the whole thing. They could have infected somebody else. It could have been bad here or there, but. I don't know. It's just a crazy thing. It's a crazy. I'm, I, and I'm down to I'm down to cooperate. You know, I'll put on a mask. I don't, <sighs> I don't like the mask, man. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't like if I, I don't, don't like the do symbolism it. of it. But I also have done enough research. Again, I'm not a medical doctor, right? But I'm not a fucking guy who just, you know, uh, just goes around, just just like you know, goes through life like not not not. Uh, not researching things and not looking into things when the whole world's collapsing around you. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. You know, since I was a little kid, I've questioned things. I mean, I questioned this from day one, you know, when someone told me this came from a bat, I laughed out loud. Yeah. You know, I'm not a fucking, uh, virologist or whatever, but it just seemed so outlandish to me and so ridiculous you know, and it turns out it's not from that, obviously, but um, it just was like the whole thing from jump smelled weird and rotten to me. And it's like election time and it's like a lot going on in the world. It just never felt again about that gut thing that we that I talked about earlier. 
it was that gut thing, like, something's not right about this. I mean, I remember talking to Hoya in February on our way to California to do that tour, and him and I were like, what's this, what's this racket about? Like, what, what are they trying to do now? You know, mm-hmm. that, that was our sentiment, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, before yeah. it even exploded, you know? Um, so anyway, yeah, that, 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 that uh, basically my point was, I did a lot of research on this thing. Mm-hmm. And I got a lot of information from various people and, you know, my family and I, we, my wife, especially, you know, she's, we're very like on the holistic side of things, you know, like when we get sick, we, we take like natural herbs and, you know, that, that's kind of like how we've been for years and years and years. So when this thing was happening, naturally we went and started looking for well, what if we get sick? What's the alternative thing that we would use? Because we're most certainly not going to use the, you know, we're not going to go run to the hospital and get put on a ventilator, you know? Yeah. Um, we're going to try to find a way to take care of this. And through our channels, through our various channels that we go and, and uh, you know, look through and our, you know, different holistic doctors, and a lot of them are MDs, you know, they just more on the, they're just more on the natural side. And, you know, while they were putting people on ventilators, other doctors were treating people, you know, with nebulizers of, you know, various things, um, with doses, high doses of vitamin C and zinc and A and E, you know, and they were having 100% success rate with people, 100%, 100. So to me, I found it weird that while I'm looking at what's happening, you know, and I'm not taking any side politically or anything. I'm just looking at it as like, I got to look out for my family. I got to look out for my kids. I'm the head of the household. I'm trying to protect my house, trying to protect my people, my friends. Let me, let me, let me gather information, you know? And, 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 and so anyway, in all my findings, 99% of the doctors that are like world renowned doctors, uh, Harvard, Yale, Stafford, you know, Stanford, this one, that one, all kinds of doctors. One common thing I kept hearing was the mask really doesn't work. Mm. <clears throat> yes. And that always was like a thing to me. So I'm like, so if it doesn't work, why are we telling everybody to wear them? You know? And then now it goes into the political arena. You know, and maybe it's a thing where like, you know, you're trying to see, I don't know, you know? A submission, a, a submissive thing. I don't know. I don't a control thing. It I definitely, uh, it definitely became poli- political. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. and uh, kind of uh, just just lately, the Trump kind of did a little twist on it, and yeah, is yeah. back in the mask a little bit now. Yeah, yeah. I wonder. Yeah. He's he's a chess player, man. So there may be a reason for that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely fun to yeah. watch. It's fun to watch. It's fun to watch. Yeah. But anyway, that's my, ma- you know, I didn't, I didn't mean to veer off topic too hard, but that my take on the mask is I've never really heard anyone say that, you know, they're, they're, they're a randomized test. You know, they test these masks every few years and this is going back way before COVID and all the way up to like 2019 or maybe even 2000, you know, 2020, they might've even done a test this year. Mm-hmm. And Every time they do these tests, it, they, they find out that the masks really don't work. Even the N95 mask, the one with the, you know, with the, 
little vent with the filter yeah. and you know and all that which is the one you because the cloth mask is fantasy that's just like if you want to wear a bandana like and be cool that yeah. doesn't really actually work at all but the n95 which you would think might work you know because it looks like it should work even that fucking thing fails the test so then that brings me to a question the next question like why you know, yeah. so like the whole mass concept, not to get and too, not, not only that, that, but, I don't think, you know, yeah, I don't like go that ahead. no, that, no, that's, that's, that's what I'm saying. You know, that, that's yeah. why, that's why I don't like it. Early on, they said, don't wear a mask. They clearly said that hundred percent. Yeah. And then they said. changed it. Yeah. They changed it during the pandemic later on. And then some kind of people defending uh, Fauci were saying, oh, he only s- said don't because there was a shortage of masks and the doctors mm-hmm. and nurses, mm-hmm. the first responders. Mm-hmm. So, but that should almost be criminal if he would That's give criminal. out, if if the masks are truly preventative and yeah. he says and he knows that they can help but he tells people don't wear them in order for a particular group to have some, that seems like it could be criminal, you know. Uh, well, you know, we're talking about this dude here, man. This guy's been in D.C. since the 80s. And, yeah, he, he and seems more of a politician than a uh, He's than he's, a way more, he's way more of a politician. I mean, I've watched other interviews with, like, other really respected scientists, virologists, immunologists, epidemiologists, you name it. And I think they look at him like he's just like a puppet. And, you know, he, he I'm not saying he's not a doctor. He didn't go to school for it, blah, blah, blah. But he's kind of like been embedded in the political side of it from the 80s. Yeah. So he'll he'll say whatever, whoever tells him to say, you know what I mean? And he's on the board of the NIH. He's on the board of the WHO. I mean, it's all such a conflict of interest that it's just like you can't help but to like look at him and go, man, you might be mafia, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, if this was a mafia game, Richie, yeah. like, I think he's mafia. I'd be just standing saying. up at the table and pointing just at saying. him. Just saying, uh, you know, and he and he has those uh, those glasses, and he's old, so he might be like a perfect mafia because you think, oh, look at this old guy. He's not. He's 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 a, he's a citizen. Look, he's a nice regular yeah, yeah. guy. Bullshit. He's mafia. I, if I was going with my gut, he's mafia. And there's a lot of other guys that I would say, uh, 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 and families that I would say are mafia as well. But whatever. Oh, I won't get too sure. deep into it. I don't want to scare people away, but. But the reality is, yeah, I don't back the mask. I mean, I know a lot of people, and I respect it if you want to wear one. I haven't worn one. I'll wear one if I go into a store and, like, out of courtesy. That's the only time I wear one is when I have no uh, no option. Right. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Like, if I'm walking down the street, I don't wear that shit. But if I go into a store and it says no mask, no service, all right, I put up. Exactly. I put on a mask. And I do that because what you know, I just want to get whatever I I want to do whatever I have to do. I want to get it done. Like I'm not trying to like have a, a political argument about shit that I, if I want to go to the store and buy something, I just throw the fucking thing on my face and go get it done. You know, yeah, I want to grab but, my but coal, coal and get out. Yeah, but it doesn't mean I believe in it. You know, quite the contrary. You know, I, I, because if all these smart people are saying it doesn't work, and I mean this is a vast amount of people. Even Fauci, the corrupt guy, even he said it. So, you know, like, it's crazy. But, that you know, whatever. If if it makes you feel better, good. But I would be careful because it depletes your oxygen. So so I I would be mindful of that. If you have, like, respiratory stuff, 
I would be my, like, I see people driving around in their cars with mask on. And that is I, it's insane, laughing. right? It's like, yeah. I don't, what are you doing? It's like, what are you doing, man? That's so stupid. <laughs> I, I'm I'm familiar with the mask because of construction. Certain sites you got to wear them and this and that. And, it, well, and you when you have know. to wear them all day, it sucks. It does suck if you got to wear them all day. Yeah, you probably get lightheaded and shit. I I, I used to work construction. I remember what that was like. You know. Yeah, if you cut, we're cutting blocks or if we're mixing concrete stuff like that, dust in the air. But it's dust and particles, stones, and that's like a different kind of deal. Different animal. You know? A virus yeah. is very small. <laughs> very, very, very small. That shit creep yeah. right through that thing. And yeah, and the particles for the stuff I mentioned are, are all dry particles. Like, you know. Absolutely, yeah. 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 But uh yeah, who knows? We're in this big fucking mess. It, it seems like there's when it when it seems like there's light in sight, then riots break out. And oh, then, another weird thing. But hey, yeah. it's a coincidence, you know. Coincidentally, now we have civil unrest or whatever, you know. It's like yeah. it's just coincidentally right after a pandemic. That, that happens every year, doesn't it? And then after after the riots die down, then we have we notice that there's a big uh, spike in the cases again. Oh yeah, oh my god. But there weren't during the protest there was no case, there was no spike. Well, that's everyone, one, everyone got a hall pass. Everyone got a hall pass. One of the craziest things were legitimate articles. Yeah. written saying that protests had no effect on the spike but mm-hmm. opening states early did now if, if this is a real thing both of them logically will have an effect on any sort of spike both right. if you open right. too early there's going to be a spike if you assemble thousands tens of thousands in some case hundreds of thousands of people right. together right. it's going right. to be a spike right. so it, it is just hard to trust any any source. news source there's no legitimate like mainstream news source that you can't find dozens of in, in, infractions on you know yeah so it's uh it's really it's, it's a crazy time it's it a crazy is a crazy time man and you're 100 percent right it's like either you know you can't say that you know and there's a certain side of this there's a certain party in this that's been doing that game this whole thing don't wear a mask oh don't shut down oh why didn't you shut down Oh, uh, wear a mask now. Everybody wear a mask. You're killing people. How dare you not wear a mask? Oh, but don't wear a mask. But go and protest. Don't worry about it. You know, it's like you got to wonder whoever keeps contradicting themselves in this whole equation, they're mafia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like I got to ask. I got to I got to I got to I got to yeah. question it because you're not being consistent. And I don't like that kind of inconsistency. I don't like that kind of game. You're playing with people's lives. You know, we're not yeah. talking. Uh, an actual game like mafia on tour we're talking about people's lives people's livelihoods yeah so it's like you know it might be funny and cool to you because you're trying to make a power move but it's not funny and cool to people who are losing their life savings or people who you know are going through whatever they're going through people yeah, the who so-called got pawns in, in the big game of chess yeah yeah all the collateral damage you know and and, and there's a lot of inconsistencies with this and it spreads you know, because yeah. what happens here dictates a lot of times what goes on abroad. You know, they'll follow suit, you know, because we have the largest caseload. So it's like, oh, let's follow what they're doing. Or but then some people start going, wait a minute, they're, they're playing a game over there. We got to do our own thing. The mm-hmm. smart ones will do that. You know, the smart countries will go. I'm not playing that game that America's playing. Yeah. I'm going to use. I'm going to use this certain drug that you said not to use because the drug actually does work. So. You guys go ahead and play your game. You know, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. You're playing with people's lives, man. And all the elderly people, 
that 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 are like the majority of the death cases you know like yeah a lot of them could have been spared man and and i and i find that to be like you know so foul on so many levels man on the human yeah if you just want to be fair if you just want to be a fair person that's watching then how could you not condemn you know cuomo's move and say like how could he force these uh old age homes to take in in known infected people knowing that one of the few things we knew right away was that it would hit the elderly so whether you hate one side or like the as an individual he should be held accountable for that deadly move it was his decision and i think he sort of kind of uh apologized in a way but the fact that he's not getting like crucified at every Ever, by every reporter over that move right it's now. It's weird, right? It's strange. It, it is weird. Yeah, because what well, you, know, you could you could be a Democrat and still judge yeah. Democrats. You yeah. know, like he made We're the humans, wrong move. Yeah. We're humans. Like forget party. Like uh, you know, I'm no party. I'm not that party or the other party. I'm 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 my own party. I'm black and blue party. You know what I'm saying? But like, the reality is, step outside of that and look at this as a human. And maybe it was your grandma that was one of those elderly people. Or maybe it was your aunt or whoever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Forget about Democrat. Forget about Republican. Forget about you hate Trump. Listen, man, this dude had full power. Okay. Trump gave all the governors carte blanche. He gave them full power to do as they see fit. That's just a fact because you can tell every governor did things slightly differently. So they had the rule of their own of their own state. They could have done whatever they wanted to do. So it can't be like thrown back. The blame can't be thrown up again. It's like, listen, you, you were, you were, you're there to govern the state. So Mm -hmm. govern as you see fit. Your situation is a little bit different than South Dakota. So, um, what does this guy do? He puts a bunch of sick people in an elderly, you know, in, a, in, in, in an old folks home, what do you think is going to happen? The elderly are always the most susceptible to, to yeah. respiratory. And especially to in, in this case, like one of the, one of the few things we knew for sure, you know, Italy showed us that how, how bad the elderly got hit. Yo, it's, it, and, and it's like, you don't care about them. It's like, people don't care about them. I was like, yo man, they're people. That was, man. Yeah. They're to be old. Well, you know, if you, if we're lucky enough to get to old age, you, we all might be that in that position one day. Like, you know, what, like, why are we not talking about this more? That Because that's like, you want to talk about the negative aspect of all this and the deaths and the deaths and the deaths, because that's all they want to talk about is the death. They don't want to talk about the survival rate. They don't want to talk about the 98, 99% of people that are actually getting this and are fine. They want to talk about the death, 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 death. You're going to get it and you're going to die. Well, more than 50% of the deaths are elderly. You know, so and and in one in one particular state. State. So why don't we talk about this? Like that's a problem, man. Like why did that happen? Yeah, that was such a a bad move. If it was uh, a mistake, I don't know if it was a mistake or not. I mean, I I would hope it it was just a mistake, but it was such a big mistake that it can't be discounted. He's got to be held responsible. I, I can't see it being a mistake because you, you, you've you been in politics yeah. long enough, man. You got to know what you're doing here, man. You know, yeah. you know the deal. You know that the elderly are always the most vulnerable. You know that, you know, yeah. 
It's and wild. people got to be helped. I mean, like uh, like I said, I do construction. I, I've been on jobs where crane operators made a mistake, led to somebody's injury or death, and they were arrested. Wow. And they just made a mistake. Wow. You know, but they, they know going up in a thing, it's serious business. That, you know, this guy has a very important position. Uh-huh. He's basically, you know, determines people's lives and yeah. how they pan out. And and he made a, a horrible decision. So horrible if you're a Democrat, decision. hold your people responsible. Yeah. If you're a Republican, here's a good Democrat for you to crucify because they love doing that. If it's, you're a human. But the fact is, he <laughs> fucked up. If you're yeah. a human, hold them accountable. If you're just a human being, hold them yeah. accountable. That always, end, that always makes me mad when, like, when politics, like when George Bush got reelected. I'm like, this guy, 9/11 happened on his watch, and he gets reelected. Oh my god! I like, know. how how is this even possible? Well, you know what I mean? Know, that's a whole other story. You know? Yeah. We, we know sure. who that. We know who he's. That, that's 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 over there. You know, that's those folks. So they, he, he, that's you know, of course he got reelected. You know? Yeah, it's but, such a crazy, uh, a crazy time, man. Yeah. And we don't, you know, we don't want to drive. I, people like hearing about this stuff there. They do. They like to see. Yeah, you know, I think so. And I think listeners. some will agree and some probably won't. And, you know, some people might cry yeah. about it. And it is what it is, man. Like, if we don't, if, if guys like you and I can't speak out, then why are we hardcore kids? You know what I mean? Like, that's what this whole movement yeah. has always been about, about not being part of the status quo, about questioning everything, about having your own ideas, forming your own opinions. So, hey. Yeah. And what are we questioning? We're questioning what government is telling us. Okay, yep. so you want to question police, and I'm with you. Question the fucking police. They need to be yeah. questioned. But yeah. you don't want to question government policy? Like, yeah. question everything. Question That's everything. why I'm in this scene, because I, I always thought everything was whacked out. You know? <laughs> same, same. And yeah. I find it odd that sometimes, you know, and that maybe it's a generational thing, but, like, some people are not that that way and that's fine too you know but it's weird because it's like but our culture is pretty much based on that you know so you can't condemn someone from our culture for asking questions or for saying something that's unpopular because that's kind of what we're about you know we're not top 40 music we're not uh you know you don't have to say the right thing to keep saying the uh, right thing all the time. You know, politically, politically correct radio. You know, like th- that, that's not hardcore. You know, like we're we're the kids that were like, no, wh- why do I have to do this? You know, no, why, check you that. Know, yeah, check why do out. I? Have, you know, so it's like I said something like so. I said Democrats hold your guy responsible. That's a goofy thing I see from the Democrats. Here's yeah. a goofy thing I see from the Republicans. Yeah, the fear of Antifa. Yeah, that's a, that's inflated. Like what? Like come on! That's like, inflated. It's, sure, it's inflated. It's it's yeah. like it's almost like ridiculous though. Like yeah. and and the regular the civilian Republicans are jumping on a bandwagon and they're excited about seeing bikers, imaginary bikers, <laughs> uniting <laughs> yeah. to go beat up Antifa. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's like, and, but you've I mean, been seeing Antifa for thirty years. You see yeah. these little skinny dudes at a yeah. show here and there yeah. once in a while. It's like come on. Well, that's how I know of them. You know, like going to Europe. And like they'll yeah. be like, oh, there's some Antifa guys here, and I'm like, who's that? I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, well, as long as they don't fuck up my show, whatever, dance, yeah. dance, buy a shirt, dance, and fucking be merry, you know. Yeah. But like, yeah, that's been the extent of my, you know, uh, of 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 it, you know, my experience with Antifa. You know, it's like uh, it was same as yours. You know, like we yeah, go to Europe, like we've been going new. to Europe, we go to Europe for years. You know, yeah. so. 
and that's kind of like their stronghold or whatever. So like they're around, you know, and I've heard positive things and negative things. I mean, I heard seen people say that they were troublemakers, you know, and I've heard other people go out oh, there. All right. You know, it, it, it's all, I guess, dependent on the city and who's running that city or whatever, you know, but like, yeah. um, you know, to view them as like, uh, you know, like uh, the next Al Qaeda or something like, uh, you know, I, I don't know. That's I think you're giving them a little too much credit as far as that goes. Yeah, you know, there's people I mean, that think, oh, they, you know, they they're calling the the new KKK. It's like, come on, dude. Well, they're definitely causing a disturbance, and they're definitely yeah, for sure. That you can't deny that. If someone tries to tell me that they are some kind of righteous, they're doing this for some, some kind of righteous cause, blah 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 blah. Um, I'm gonna have to disagree. You know, mm-hmm. I think they're getting paid to go cause problems, but do I think that they're like the greatest threat on the planet? Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know just, what I'm saying? It's I, just a goofy thing I see because like, I, I I watch the news like I, people watch football. You know what I mean? And right. you know, a certain a certain news station might paint Antifa. What's that? Do you flip around? Because I mean, I like yeah, the I like the compare everything. Yeah, I like to compare notes and and, and all that. I mean, all the media sucks, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I watch it all. Like I watch it all. Yeah. I watch the internet ones, uh, the mainstream, the big three, like MSNBC to Fox to CNN. Uh-huh. Yep. And, uh, you know, those are the ones in your face. You know, there's still like local news people forget about, but they just don't watch it. Like right. the local news that co- pops on for like an hour. And right. that's kind of just your basic old school news. But they don't get deep into anything, you know. But the uh, the 24 hour cycle stuff. Wow. What yeah. a yeah, obvious agenda on every level on uh, every channel. Agenda on every level. You know, and some are more transparent than others, in my opinion. But like some are really like with the fear porn, you know, the fear mongering. It's just like, well, my God. And then not even just about this thing, about everything, you know, a hurricane, anything and everything. It's like, they grab onto something and it's it. It's the end of the world. Everyone go hide under your bed, go die. You know, it's like the fear. And meanwhile, there could be an actual like devastating, like genocide going on somewhere on the planet earth that we know of through actual people and smaller, but it's it's not even a mention. Not even to mention. Absolutely not. No, no. Yeah. And it's like you know they pick and choose what killings are valid and what are not. You know, it's like how many kids were you know kids were getting shot, black kids, whatever kind of you know Spanish kid, whoever. Like during this thing, other people were getting killed and shot, but that wasn't a big deal. But if it somehow helped this cause or this agenda with this thing, they would highlight it. You know, it's it's it's, it's yeah. a shit show, man. It's a shit show. You know, it is. It's crazy. But what we got to talk about is Madball because everybody loves Madball, and we got we got <laughs> Freddie. Oh, not anymore. After this, Richie, they don't love me anymore. I was just kidding. Oh, come on! This uh, is that. I mean, this, you're you're talking you're talking from the heart. If what's, this is what you heart. see. You yeah, know, you're not claiming to be an authority. You're just saying yeah. this looks fucked up to me, and you yeah. point point to it like that yeah. should always be the case. Uh, if you if you uh, if you feel something's out of whack and you don't mention it, I'm whack. something wrong with you. I'd be yeah, whack if I didn't mention got, it. I it's your responsibility. Right. You got to yeah. say something. I wouldn't feel right. And and mind you, I don't speak without researching shit because, like I said, you know, I'm not Mr. Politics and I'm not a, an MD, but I do extensive research and I get a lot of information from a lot of different sources like yourself. And that's how I form my opinion. And then it's also a gut thing. And it's also how you view the world. You know, all those things factor in. 
Yeah. But um, but um, yeah, yeah, man. I, I gotta I gotta speak how I feel about it, it, whether it's popular or not. I don't do shit for popularity. I wouldn't be doing hardcore if I was if it was You'd about. You'd be on the Disney Channel. You'd yeah. be uh. Instead of being seven years old on a, on a agnostic front stage, you'd be seven years old on the Disney Channel oh, next to Mickey Mouse. And no, please don't say that, Richie. Oh my God, that'd be there's too much pedophilia over there. I don't want no part of Disney. I don't want none of that. I don't Disney's want. Disney's a crazy that. place. Yeah, it's a crazy place. I don't man. want any of that over there. Child actors. Oh my God, I wouldn't have never. I would have never wanted any part of that. I, I'm I'm fine right where I'm at. I'm okay yeah. growing up in the in the. In the in the gutter of uh, of NYC, I'm okay with yeah. that. Yeah, you're I'll honestly blessed. You're blessed. I'm blessed. Because yeah, because <laughs> some yeah. of these other areas and some of these other, you know, um, oh man, bad. It gets bad, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now listen, we got I I we gave uh, people a heads up. Freddie's coming on the show. If you yeah. got any questions, let us know. They yeah. wrote in some some questions. You want to answer some questions from the people? I don't mind at all. Yeah. All right, cool. Let's see what we got here. I got some on the phone. I got some written down. Let's do this phone quick. Some good stuff. Interesting yeah, people. Yeah. Let's go with this guy. Okay, this is from the great, uh, I believe he's from Holland, Martin Sieben. Mm-hmm. For the Cause came out two years ago. I am curious how Freddie looks back at this album. What would he have done different? If he could redo it, and what does he love the most about it? Um, I mean, you can always nitpick, as you know, Richie. It's like you can always nitpick any record and like want to do something different. Like, oh, I could have done that verse like this. Or I mean, there's always going to be those little nitpicky things that you would want to redo, or maybe redo a lyric or a line or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I gotta say that I'm pretty proud of that record. Um, because I think it was like our most diverse record, um, of all our records, of all our records. I think it's the most diverse record and we kind of needed that, you know, we were kind of hungry for that personally, but we also weren't, we weren't sure if it was going to translate. So the fact that it did translate, cause I think, you know, for the most part, it got received really well. So, so, uh. It did. I'm pretty proud of that record, dude. I I I can't, you know, I, I can nitpick. I could do I could do, you know. I mean, there's topics on there that I wish I could have talked about that I didn't talk about. You know, there's little little nitpicky things that I can change throughout it, and I'm sure Hoya would find it and everyone that was on it would find a little, you know, Mike would find a drum roll that he didn't like, you know. Um mm-hmm. but you know, overall as as a as a um representation of us for that time i I, i'm pretty proud of that record i'm pretty i really like the production and the guitar tone too yeah Yeah. man was it cool working with the with the rancid dude that was kind of cool right it was cool and it was a very relaxed environment which uh i haven't had that like pleasant an experience in a studio in a while like it was just very laid back like we you know and we were prepared like we had all our stuff um, so it was just kind of like they let us go in there and do our thing, you know, and they helped us get good tone. I mean, we got good sounds and obviously we had Maddie that played on that record and he's very, yeah. he's very tone savvy and all that. So it, it didn't hurt that he was in the mix. Um, 
with him, you know, with, with, with getting the yeah. right sounds and with getting the right sounds. And, you know, Hoya knows his sound, you know, and these guys recognize like Tim and, and, and all the guys involved. Um, they, they, they know that we've been at this for a while. So they were kind of letting us do our thing and then they would like tweak it because they know their studio, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm happy overall. Yeah. I'm happy with the sounds and the overall package. Um, you know a song I like on there a lot. Uh, it's it, it's uh, just became like one of my go to Madball joints too. Is that song Tempest? Ah, yeah, man, that's a very, that's yeah, a sleeper. Cool, cool <laughs> lyrically and cool like the, the riff. You know, it's very it's, it's a dope track. Thanks, Rich. Yeah, that's that's funny because that's probably a, probably a sleeper track because you know we didn't do any videos or we didn't bring a lot of attention to it, but. Um, yeah, I like that song as well, man. I, I, I was, that was, a, that's what, that was, that's actually one of my, uh, if I had to pick like a handful of songs that I prefer from that record, that's one oh, of nice. my top ones as well. Yeah. Nice, nice. All right, here's another guy. Who's this guy? He's, uh, I don't know his first name. His last name is, says Yacor Ramirez. Mm. Says, hello. Thank you for this opportunity. First, I'm Cuban. I would like to ask to Freddie. If he thinks that any time it's possible that Madball comes to Cuba and he says Madball and specifically Freddie and Roger from Agnostic Front are big, big influences on my life. Please, if you can say a big hug and all the best from the deepest uh, of my heart to Madball, Roger, AF and New York hardcore family. So any chance of uh, Madball doing Cuba? Well, that that was a very, you know, very nice message, by the way. Very um, nice, yeah. Yeah, very nice, man. Um, yeah, Ramirez. Cool. Yeah, 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 cool. Yo, respect, man. Much love. Um, I I would love to, man. I don't know. I don't know when it'll be possible, if it'll be possible, but I would love to go to Cuba. AF was supposed to go to Cuba, um, I think a few years ago, and I was actually going to take a trip. And go check it out with them because I, I, that just would have been crazy because that would have been Roger's first time back since he was, you know, since he left there as a little kid. Um, and they were going to do it as part of the film that they did and then it didn't pan out. So obviously that didn't make it into the, the video stuff. But um, around that same time, I was kind of like poking my head around trying to see like if it's possible for us to go there and like. I've heard that some metal bands have gone there and like, it's just a tough place, man. Like logistically, it's just not set up yet for, for there to be, you know, for, for shows to happen. But, and uh, especially now with all this, but um, I hope that someday in the, in the future, hopefully the near future, I can, you know, I'm pretty resourceful, man. I I, I, I try to figure out a way to get there. I would love to do that. That would be dope. And Cuba just seems like such a unique place, man. It's so like, uh, culturally like cool you know and yeah. with the throwback with the with the automobiles down there the way they rock those and yeah. it's just like and then on top of it, it's like like when it comes to like the medical field it's like so advanced and stuff and there's like it's yeah. like a real it's, it's very different it's it's you know of course the you know with the whole communism in the past you know yeah 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 things are rough but yeah i'd love that's, to see cuba myself that's the unfortunate day. part because it's such a, like you said man it, it is it is uh and mind you, I've never been, I'm, you know, I'm Cuban and Colombian and, and my mom was born there. My brothers and sister were born there. Um, um, I was born in Passaic, New Jersey. <laughs> but, uh, New Jersey, me too. New Jersey. Yeah, New Jersey. I know. 
So, you know, New Jersey in the house. But, um, yeah, it, it is a beautiful place. And I want to go just for myself. And if I don't go with the band, I'm definitely going to go on my own because I have a lot of family there that I've never even met. Um, but that place has got a, is full of culture and full of a lot of beautiful things. But I have heard from people that go there that my mom and other relatives that have gone there. And it's there is sort of a sad element to it because the system that they imposed on people really didn't work out, you know, yeah. so 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 it kind of but the people still have a good spirit about them. And I don't think you can take that away from people, you know, the spirit. You know? Yeah. Now, for the, the size of Cuba and influence you know, across America, Cubans are highly influential in America. You know, and you can, you can name this guy's from Cuba. This, this, this guy's of Cuban descent, the guy from this band, this comedian, these actors, you know, these doctors, it's like a, a, very influential in America, Cuba. Yeah. I mean, a lot of them, a lot of Cubans came here. Like I said, my mom, you know, she, she didn't like what was going down there. She left a lot of people Yo. I know left and uh, you hear me? Yeah, man. Yo, your mom, you, when I watched the documentary with the the, the Godfathers of Hardcore, jeez, yeah. Freddie, your mom, <laughs> your mom is no joke, son. She's tough. Yeah, she's, she's hard, yeah. She's hard. I mean, <laughs> imagine, imagine being a young girl coming to America with three little kids, and she's a kid herself, essentially. You know, she's a young lady. Yeah. So, so that in itself is hard, you know, and then she ends up in Jersey, you know, and then it meets my crazy-ass dad, you know. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she she she's definitely had an experience, man, and 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 that's that's the people I like to learn from, you know, because a lot of people uh, comment about Cuba one way or another, and, mm. and, and and listen, I know from the source, you know, my mom yeah. is from my mom is from there. Okay, I grew up eating Cuban food. Okay, I'm not from there personally, but that's part of my heritage. You know, that's so your blood. Like, I know I have I form my opinion about whatever because of what I learned from my mom and other people in her that have been in her same position. Yeah. So, you know, again, you know, politically you can go different ways because there's people that praise, you know, uh, the political system of Cuba and all, you know, but it's like, listen, man, it ain't, you know, they, they, these people are so rich in culture and spirit that you kind of, you know, held them back a little bit, man. There are a lot of, uh, you would have seen a lot more if Cuba was more of an open place at one point. You would have seen a lot more athletes, a lot more uh, talent out of that place, man. That Definitely. place is rich with talent. But you know, uh, we'll, we'll get to Cuba again, man. We'll, I mean, we'll get to Cuba for sure. That'd be dope. Sure. And yeah. you and your the other half, you got your dad is Colombian. He's Colombian from Barranquilla, yeah, from a coastal city in Colombia. I went to Colombia once. Beautiful, man. Yeah, just I went to Medellin. What did you say? Yeah, Medellin, Medellin. Yeah, that that's that's one of the major cities, Medellin, and then you got Bogota, and then you got Cali. Um, have you been there? I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We be, I've been there as a kid, and then mm -hmm. I went there obviously with Madball a bunch of times. Um, which was how was it going crazy. with the band and the the, the people? Did, were they aware of your background? Yeah, man. The first time I went. It's kind of like guess you get guess I get goosebumps when I think about it because there was like all this military es escort and all this sh weird shit going on that we weren't used to, you know. Mm. And um, and then when we're playing, I look back and I see like these kids holding up a sign and they're like, "Barranquillas in the house!" Like, oh shit, my dad's <laughs> people from my dad's city, yeah. and that. That made that was nuts for me. Like that was so like 
surreal because it's like, okay, Colombia, I get it, the big cities, I get it. But Barranquilla is like a coastal city. Mm-hmm. It's kind of big for its area, but it's not like one of the major ones that you hear about. You know, it's a port city, it's a coastal city, but it's kind of a sleeper city. It's yeah. on the Caribbean, um, on the Caribbean side. Um, but to, I know how far they traveled, you know, like it's far, like, you know, the other cities are like higher elevation, far away. You're talking hours and hours and hours away, you know? So it's like, it was cool, man. It was, it was we got, it, it was an awesome experience. It was Showing just, love. that's, that's, that's really cool. Yeah, man. Yeah. All right, let's go to this guy. He says, yo guys, hope you are good. Question for Freddie. What is your biggest inspiration outside of hardcore music? My family. <laughs> and my driving force. Yeah. My biggest inspiration musically or? He didn't really say, but maybe he said, because he says outside of hardcore music and scenes. So yeah, maybe another kind of music. But yeah, of course, the family. You're a family man for sure. Yeah, I mean, look, look, that's my that's my inspiration, motivation, everything. But besides yeah. that, musically speaking, uh, you know, maybe he's maybe he was trying to. That's kind of what he was what he was getting at. Um, I love everything, so you know, you know that, Richie. You know, it's like we uh, we're open minded, man. Like I I listen to just about everything, so I I love all music. I was always big into hip hop. I was always big into you know all kinds of stuff, rock and roll. You know, so uh, yeah. Um, I'm inspired by just good music of any genre. You know, I, I, I try not to shit. I even like some country, you know, when I was younger, I used to be like, ah, fuck that country shit, you know? Um, (laughs) but as I got older, you know, in the nineties, I saw Johnny Cash at Radio City Music Hall. Uh, and that really did something for me. And, 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 and like at the time, Vinny and Willie, all these guys were big into Johnny Cash. And I was into certain songs, but I wasn't into him like I got into him after that show. Mm. You know, like uh, once you I caught was, him live, then you then you could respect him. A little you felt more. You it, understood it. Yeah, yeah, you felt it. And and he wasn't jumping around doing somersaults. He was sitting there strumming his guitar, but you could feel it and hear it in his voice. You can feel the sentiment. You know, it was it was awesome, man. It was a cool experience, and I, I it was like you know mid nineties at one point and. And uh, I gained a new res- I liked him, but I even got I got even more respect for him after that, and like became more of a fan. So you know stuff like that, man. It's like it's good to always be open minded because you never know what's gonna inspire you. You know. Yeah, yeah, very cool, Johnny Cash. That's a good. That's something good to have under your belt that you saw him live. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, it is one. It is one. Good one. And we got this guy, Curtis. Curtis, he he first he asks you if you recall something, then he has a question. He mm. said, "Does Freddie recall punching out some guy at the living room in Providence, Rhode Island, because the guy was being a huge crowd killer, doing car carpet wheels into the crowd?" Mm. Do you remember something like that? I don't recall the specifics of it. I mean, I I, I remember the show. I think it was with like a bunch of bands. I feel like it was like that living room show where it was like. Uh, blood for blood and AF and all these bands. So if I if I if I if my memory serves me correctly, I, I the show itself was a big show, like a good show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I do remember there being some kind of beef or altercation or something. 
but I don't remember who or how the specifics of it or, you know, I don't know. Did I hit him? Did I get him good? I don't know. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so but, you're uh, saying it's possible, but we it's don't know. Fi- it's not, it's not an impossibility, <laughs> especially not yeah. in those years, especially yeah. not in those years. It's, it's, it's very, but I wouldn't say that I would have hit someone or done something like that. I'm, listen, I'm not going to say anything cause I don't want to incriminate myself, but, um, I wouldn't do that for someone dancing. So it must have been more to it. You know, there yeah. must have been words. There must have been some sort of disrespect. Because, I mean, dancing is dancing. You know, like, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. everyone's got a different style. Like, do your thing. He must have hurt someone that he shouldn't, you know, maybe a girl or a kid. Or I don't know. Something must have happened that triggered something else. Because it just doesn't go down like that, you know. Yeah, not just for dancing. Wow. And then he says, his question is, has he seen the scene... Has he seen the violence at shows drop over the years? And if so, what might be the reason why? Yes, but definitely. Um, I would say, I mean, when you say rich, I, I, I think the shows are less, are less violent, which is a good thing. It's not a bad Completely. thing. Yeah, no, yeah, it's a good thing. Um, much less, much less. Yeah, why? I, 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 what would yeah, you say? Why? I don't know, man. Uh, you know, maybe because, um, I don't know, certain influential people kind of like took the reins in different areas and there's a respect factor there and uh, that could be part of it. You know what I'm saying? I think that's uh, kind of what it is. I think at one time going to certain areas, there was uh, question marks because maybe the people who were uh, influential in that area weren't likable, kind, uh, fair people, you know. Right. And then now it's kind of like, you know what you're getting into and uh, people are, the yeah. scenes, they know each other, you know. Yeah. It yeah. polices itself, but I think that there's a level of respect because, you know, there's kind of influential people overseeing certain situations and they're kind of like, hey, look, man, people are here to have fun, not to fuck around, you know. And it, and it's also maybe people have evolved a little more, you know, and like there was a period, you know, where it was just like, it was kind of about that, you know, like, yeah. And, and, and it kind of like that, that, that kind of came and went and I'm happy about it. Cause I, I mean, it, I, I never liked when a show got disrupted by a fight or whatever, you know, it was always kind of like, yo, take it outside or whatever, you know, it was like, it's like, let the show be the show. And then if you got something, some gripe with someone then handle it accordingly, you know, like wherever you need to handle it. But it was always kind of annoying when there yeah. would be like, a multitude of fights in like one show. It was like, but it, it was a thing at one point in the nineties and, 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 and thank God it, it you know, it, it's not like that anymore. And it, it wouldn't it's a, survive it's a, if, if it was, yeah. you know, it, would well, it be wouldn't, over. it wouldn't survive. Yeah. And like I said, I think a big factor is, yeah, some of the people, some influential people grew up a little bit and kind of said, Hey, this is not how it's going to go down. Yeah. And, and that, that's a big factor. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, totally. There you go. That's why. That's why. Now check you out know, Dave. You know Dave. Why. <laughs> yeah, we we know why. We know Dave why. Grand. I'm not sure where Dave's from, but he says he seems excited. You're on the show. He says, "Oh shit, Freddie will be in the on the show." Great. Few questions for the G. What's up with his solo hip hop project, Dang. Catholic Guilt? It was so great. Hope he's gonna make a follow up. So that's his first question. And okay. any plans for a follow up after that? Yeah, you know, thank you by the way. That's very kind kind of you. Um 
Yeah, I've been wanting to do a follow-up for years, man. It's like 10 years since that. It's crazy to me. Like, I look back, I'm like, it's been like 10 years since I dropped that record. That is so crazy. Yeah, like, you just said that. I was like, no way. I was like, yeah. I'm thinking three years, maybe. Nah, like 10 years, <laughs> man. I'm like, I should have done like three follow-ups, you know, by now. You know, it was like, but Madball sort of got busier. And, and, and then my family, you know, I started having a family and that just sort of took all my time, you know, like, you know, that, that, that's really, you know, when I'm not doing the band or whatever, Madball, it's like the rest of my time is consumed by family. But I've, I have a couple of songs on deck, beats and, nice. and little, little ideas and things like, so I am going to do a follow up because I, I love hip hop. I grew up with hip hop culture. I love it. You know, and I do want to do a follow up because I feel like I can do a better job than the first one. I mean, I think the first one was cool and it was fun, but I was like getting my bearings. You know, I was like feeling it out. And I feel like now I, I can probably put out something a little bit. Uh, That'd be cool, a, a man. Higher level, higher level, you know. Yeah, it, this stuff takes time, though. And that's, it you does. know, it does. your main thing is is Madball. So I, yeah. I get what, why you wouldn't. But yeah, when you say 10 years, like that's wild. Yeah. I mean, it's the same reason why we haven't done a follow-up Hazen Street record is because everyone in Hazen yeah. Street uh, has a, 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 a main gig somewhere else, you know? So it's like, you know. Well, you know what? There were a few questions about Hazen Street, so you got that one out of the way. They wanted to know. Yeah. Like, and a lot of, a lot of love and support for Hazen Street. What uh, a great full-length album, beginning yeah, to end. That was a that was really fun. cool release. That was, that was, that was uh, fun, man. That was fun. I learned a lot during that, re during that recording. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good yeah. catchy stuff, man. Yeah, like man. the just the phrasing of vocals. Like take lyrics out of the way and right. just 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 like hum the the vocal patterns, and that you have a, a separate instrument. Then you Thank put you. Lyri lyrics into it, and then they're they're dope. You know, not not what you would think for a side project that might you know. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. it was it was Appreciate a good that. album. That was yeah, I was I, I was just. You know, when I got that music, you know, Chad laid out a great foundation, you know. So when I heard that music, you know, it it, it was like something different than Madball. And it just like whatever came out, came out, you know, and that's a lot of a lot of those songs, you know. But um, yeah, it, that's what I mean by it. it was a learning experience for me, because up to that point, I had only ever done Madball had only ever done hardcore. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know if I could write to this shit personally. You know, I was like. It was a test for me to be like, I love I love the music. I immediately loved it. Um, Chad is one of those rare people that you're one of them, Richie. By the way, I don't know if I ever paid you that compliment, but um, there's people that I immediately connect with on a musical level, and it's like only like a handful. Oh, and, thank you, man. And like they'll send me a song, and it'll speak to me if that makes sense. It's weird to say that, but it. it does something where like it inspires me to either come up with a vocal pattern or write a lyric you know like nice, nice. or both at the same time um chad every song i immediately had some kind of an idea in my head about it you know and obviously with hoy i have that connection because we wouldn't be we wouldn't be in a band this long if i if yeah. i if i didn't have that kind of you know sometimes we bump heads but i mean there's definitely a connection there because that's how you get mad ball but um You've sent me songs, and by the way, I want to just throw it out there. That project is going to happen. I'm not going to get too oh, deep into shit. it, but we're going to do some pro – we're going to – we've been talking about a project for how many years now, Richie? <laughs> I actually had that question coming up. It was from yeah. Rich Mancuso. When the hell is this project going down? <laughs> we are because, no, you've sent me songs that 
I get that same vibe, like, oh shit. Like, and I write, and that makes me want to write a verse or a chorus or something. So yeah, man, there's like a handful of people, but anyways, that's Hazen Street, man. Like Chad laid down such a amazing foundation. And then I had to just like test myself and go like, can I write something to this? And then when I would bring stuff to Chad or the guys, they were shocked that it was so mm. melodic. Cause they were like, oh, this is coming from you. Like, you're like the screamer, you know? Very cool. So yeah, it was fun. Yeah, he has a cool way of writing that dude. Yeah, it, 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 it's great. And it lends itself, it's very open. It lends itself to a lot of, you could take a lot of liberties vocally. And, and, and that's what I did. And, 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 and I was just learning, man. It was a learning experience, but it was, it was, it, it panned out. I feel like a lot of people do love that record. So that, that yeah, a lot of people mentioned that. So we don't even have to get to their question. So sorry, you ain't getting shouted out. Yeah, but no. Dan Grant still has more questions. He said, how, it, how is he dealing with the extra downtime? Is he working on music or spending as much time with the family as possible? What's he doing? Definitely spending time with the family, which I got to say is the silver lining in all this is like the only upside to all this craziness and, the, you know, everybody being, uh, you know, locked in and afraid and the whole world's in a panic and a mess. Um, I have gotten to spend some real quality time with my kids and my wife and, and, uh, this might you know, be the that, first full summer with them, huh? Yeah, man. It's yeah. Cause by, by now I would have done, you know, it's, and it's not like we tour, we over tour, you know, that like, we don't, we, we, we always keep our family in mind, especially Hoya and I, because we have, you know, two kids each. So we factor that in, you know, like I, I, I set up the tours to where like, I'm not away for that too long because I, I want to watch my kids grow up. So does Hoya, you know? Yeah. Um, so we, we always keep them in mind and we always like work around our family situation, but we haven't gone this far, this long without playing a show or a tour or whatever. And like, I can't even remember, man, it's, it's crazy, but you know, uh, it's, the, the, you can't put a price on family time. That's quality time. You know, that, that, that's like, you can't, you can't put a price on that. So as far as that goes, it's, it's been amazing financially in other areas, it's been rough, but family time has been amazing. And creatively, I, I have jotted down a few things here and there. So I'm, I'm starting to, you know, hopefully can come out with some good stuff for Madball or for whatever other projects. I, I you know, yeah. And he also says he has one more question, but he said a huge respect to, to the goddesses for the podcast. Yeah, no problem, buddy. We, <laughs> we, we still do it. But he says, what is his current favorite music, movie, TV show, or book? Oh, man. Um, my book, the, my favorite book right now is Plague of Corruption by Judy Mikovits. Um, mm. I'll just throw that out there. Um, and then that's the one I'm reading right now. But, uh, movie i just kind of bounce around like we look for like documentaries and like uh we were watching like uh we were catching up on like better call saw and like some of these shows ozarks we but those are all like came and went you know yeah um, you know I, I actually watched ozarks for the first time during this pandemic it's, it's cool, cool right yeah, yeah it's a cool show man i like it yeah. um you know it's it's, it's it's hollywood it is what it is but it's fun it's cool it's entertaining it's it's it's, it's a good premise you know yeah, there's some goofy stuff. Like I'm like, yo, yeah. he got he got millions. Why does he just get like security at this point? Like I, I know, I know. He's like walking around. <laughs> I work with the cartel and he's like walking around like I know, yeah. Goofy goofy shit. But I mean he does a good job. Bateman does a good job. It's a good show, yeah, yeah. for sure. But uh 
I just kind of bounce around and, you know, TV, I, I'll check in with the news. I mean, I don't, I don't get my information from them. I get my information elsewhere, but I do bounce around different channels and, and, and check out, you know, different, different people and different stations, this one, that one, Fox, whatever, you know, I, I, I just kind of take the temperature and see who's saying what and like that. Um, yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's pretty much it. All right. Uh, thank you, Dan. He's, yeah, thanks. And we got we got this guy. He might be misinformed, though. I don't know if he's right about this. Okay. He he asked. I've always wondered where exactly in Jackson Heights, Queens, did Freddie used to live? Did you live in Jackson Heights? No, I never lived in Jackson Heights. Um, oh, okay. No. Come on, Joe. At least know what you're talking about if you're gonna ask a question. Isaac, my boy Isaac lived in Jackson Heights. Um, but um, no, I never. Where'd did. you live? You lived in Brooklyn when you lived in. New I York, lived. No? I lived in the well. Alphabet City, I call it. It's not technically oh. not LES. It's yeah. uh, East Village, Alphabet City, um, technically speaking. Um, that was the first place I lived. And mm -hmm. then I moved to Brooklyn. I did have a, a little spell in Queens. I actually lived in Corona with Hoya for like a, a little bit. Um, rest in peace, uh, Ma Julia, who who took me in when I was like had nowhere to go. And I lived in Corona for a little bit for a little bit with Hoya's family. Um, and then I lived in Astoria for a little spell. Um, never Jackson Heights though. And Ridgewood, I lived for a minute, for a quick minute. Um, but mostly Brooklyn, mostly Brooklyn. After the city, it was mostly Brooklyn, like mostly Greenpoint area. I did live in Bensonhurst briefly, but a lot uh, of Polish in Greenpoint, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots, lots. Fucking troublemakers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of good kids too, though. A lot of good kids. Lot, lot, it, it, you know, it, it's it's one of those last areas that has like a real big European influx of people. You know, you you still hear Polish being talked in the streets over there. Like yeah, that. definitely. Kind of yeah. And uh, a lot of uh, Russians are around that in the area too, right? Well, Russians are everywhere at this point. So yeah. <laughs> I go in once in a while. I go into that, you know, for work. Uh, but mostly, yeah. I'm in Manhattan. Russians yeah. are mostly in, in in South Brooklyn. Like from what I from I remember, you know, uh, Brighton Beach. Like I remember, like out there, you know, there being like big Russian communities and stuff. But not so much Greenpoint. But who knows, man? Nowadays, a lot you find a lot of Russian folks in in America. Uh, all spread throughout yeah. the country. Spread throughout. They the are. Country. They are all over. Yo, this guy, this next guy already asked a question. Same question with the hip-hop. He said, would you put another hip-hop? That's from Damien. Damien, he answered your question. We're going to pass on. Mm -hmm. Let's see this guy here. This guy, I'm not sure what he means by this. Okay. He says, when Jay left Madball, he mentioned some events that took place during the tour, making him decide to <laughs> move on. Could Freddie elaborate further on this? That, that's a fantastic question, actually. Whoever it is. Uh, thanks for asking that question. This uh, is Frank Van Steenbruggen. Well, that's probably his like screen name, but Frank Van Steen. He says, we'll just say Frank, Jay Frank. Yeah, <laughs> say Frank. Yeah. Hey, Frankie. Uh, but thank, thank you, by the way, for asking that question, because I, I, I think the kid, you know, he, he did, he left it, you know, so vague that, you know, you can open that could be left up to anyone's imagination, you know, like what that meant. And I honestly still don't know what he meant by it. I mean, what we like, what, what was so crazy about our lifestyle that would uh, make you want to leave, which by the way, he didn't leave. He got thrown out, but that's a whole other story. I won't get oh, into Oh, is this that. guy talking Jay the Jay drummer? Wein yeah. Jay Weinberg. You know, you've heard plenty okay. of stories about that. Yes. Kid. 
Now, oh. I, I didn't even know what the hell he was talking about. For okay, yeah, the drummer, the old drummer. Yeah, because when he left, he made a statement. You know, I made my little statement. I was annoyed at the kid. He was annoying. Um, mm. But then he made a statement. He was like, "Yeah, lifestyle differences." I think that's what this—that's uh, what Frank is referring to. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that. To, I always thought to myself, "What? What does he mean? Like, what lifestyle? Like, what that we tore in a van? I mean, sorry, that's what we can afford. You know, yeah. like." What do you mean by lifestyle differences? I mean, he came up privileged and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, his dad is Max Weinberg. I mean, the kid came up as a rich kid and and, and yeah. God bless him. God bless him for that. I mean, you know, and for he, those who don't know, then Jay, a, a former drummer of Madball, yeah. was basically born. He's a, a you know, well off because his father is Max Weinberg, uh, a famous drummer and musician and, you know, very wealthy. Yeah. And he was in Madball. Okay, that's who he's talking about. And so, so he made some that. kind of he made some kind of statement when he when he was thrown out, and that's yeah. what he said. Wow, yeah, he made, he even... made a statement. <laughs> and, you know, he tried to say that he left first, and all this. It was like some kiddie shit. You know, it was like a, the whole thing was almost. I almost regret even making any statement at all about it because I don't like to engage in that arena. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I'll handle my business elsewhere. You know, I, I don't I don't care about that shit. But anyway, a statement was made. I guess I, somebody had to make a statement, so I made it. And and then he made his own statement about why he left, allegedly, quote unquote, left. And, um, you know, he added that to it. You know, the kid was probably trying to get jabs back at us. You know, uh, he, he said a lot of goofy things, you know. Uh, um, but uh, but yeah, that was that was that was a thing where he said lifestyle differences or something. And I mean, yeah, the kid didn't drink. The kid didn't do whatever. But I mean. We never forced anything on him. Like, you know, we, all we ever did was look out for him and try to accommodate him. Um, there was no weird shit going on in the van or tour bus with anyone. So it was like, what are you referring to? You know, because yeah. when you say vague things like that, you leave things open to people's imagination. You know, and so they're thinking we're, you know, we got broads on the bus or like we're doing drugs or something. It's like none of that was happening. You know, like none of that was going on. Like we don't do drugs. I mean, there was a time in my life when I dabbled in that, but like it wasn't while he was in the band. That's for sure. Yeah. So, you know, and I'm a married man while he was in the band. So like there wasn't no weird shit with partying. And that. so I, what are you saying exactly? Like what's the lifestyle difference? Yeah, we do have different lifestyles. You grew up rich. I didn't. But besides that, besides the obvious, w- what were we doing that was so off-putting? That was so bad and detrimental that you would say a comment like that. Like we weren't blowing lines, you know what I'm saying? Like we weren't, we would have occasional drinks, you know, our beers that we have, our wine or whatever it is that we pretty casual, you know, and like we were just being us. You know how we roll. You've toured with us, Richie, you know, it's just like any tour that you've ever been on with us, you know, like. There was never any tour. I mean, like one time a guy came on stage and the kid got nearly shit his pants. Is that what he's talking about? I don't know. You know, the guy like yeah. made a face at him. Like the guy came on stage <laughs> and made a face at him and then and then jumped off the stage. It was actually kind of funny, you know, but this kid like was terrified. He was the just a very had, sheltered guy, I guess. That guy wanted to beat me up. I was like, first of all, we wouldn't have, even if we don't like you, we wouldn't have let him beat you up because yeah. we take care of our own. Um. Whoever's rolling with us is going to get taken care of, regardless of how we feel about you. Yeah. But it wasn't even that drum, that bad of a thing. So it was kind of like, it was like, I don't know, man. I, I really don't. I'm still, 
I'm asking. Have you, ever, have you ever seen this guy since then, since he left the band or not? No, no. And he joined, he has a good gig. I mean, he went and joined Slipknot, which was his dream thing probably because I think he wanted to get a little street cred with us and then move on to bigger things or whatever. And, and that's exactly how it played out for him. Um, and he ended up in Slipknot and he Fucking liked Jay Slipknot. Weinberg. Yeah. Which good for him. And you know, in that regard, good for him. And if you, you're a drummer, you're trying to find a career doing that. God bless you. But yeah, he's uh, better off wearing a mask with that face anyway, that kid. Yeah. He, you know, he just was a different breed than us. And we've had all kinds of people come through our band and not everybody is like us or whatever, but typically we leave, the situation having a relationship with people or like it staying in touch with people like is usually always ends positive and you know he was one of the rare few people where it didn't end that positive it's kind of just like ah beat it kid you know yeah yeah you know there's another uh, drummer question later on that i remember but i didn't get to it yet but nothing about that guy but right. when i get to it i'll let you know this guy J this is jimmy jitsu and he okay. asked ask if he's got a story, something he saw in his super early years as a kid in the New York hardcore scene that scared him or freaked him out. Ooh, he's looking for some craziness. Uh, I mean, you're talking like, you know, yeah, I'm trying to eight, think. nine, 10, 11 years old. Anything that I got a was, story. Yeah. What do you got? Well, it, but it's not like a crazy violent story. I mean, look, I, you know, I'm not going to front here. I, I came up in a pretty volatile household. So, I wasn't a stranger to seeing wild shit. <laughs> you know? I wasn't yeah. a stranger to seeing violence or whatever, sadly, but that's just a fact. Um, but I remember being in like, I was probably seven or eight uh, around there. It was like that same summer where I ended up singing with AF and like pretty much we got the whole ball rolling with, with me and, and doing hardcore and all that. But it was probably that same time period and I think we were watching, I think it was like a Bad Brain show. My memory of it is, is kind of, you know, cloudy and vague because I was so young. Um, but my brother, I think, confirmed this to me. But I, I want to say it was maybe Bad Brains or some kind of band like that. And, um, you know, definitely was in the early 80s. Definitely 82, mm -hmm. 83, around there. And... Um, my brother was dancing and he came back over and he had this pin in his arm, but like really deep, you know, like he, you know, back then it was like punky ish and like everyone looked different. You know, there was a guy with a shaved head, a guy with a mohawk, yeah. pins everywhere, studs, one guy with boots. It was a mix, uh, a, a, a mashup, you know, and, uh, he was dancing and he came back over and I was with like one of the girls or something. And, and it was all kind of new to me and I loved it, but I was also like, what the fuck? And when I saw my <laughs> brother come over and he was like bleeding and had this pin stuck in his arm, you know, as a kid, you kind of bug out for a minute. You're like, Oh, is he all right? Are you all right? Are you all right? You know, it was like kind of one of those kind of things. Yeah. But then it turns out, you know, it was just like a pin from like, either some punk rock dude had a pin on and it got just embedded in his arm and he took it out. You know, but you know, I, it's a lighthearted story, but I, it, it was kind of freaky at first, you know? Yeah. Especially for, you know, a new, new, new atmosphere and there's blood involved anywhere. Yeah. And it's or your brother, you know, it's yeah, your, it's your brother. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
that's so crazy to think that you were in that mix and you know because you have kids of your own and to oh. think like at seven eight nine <laughs> <laughs> my son's Would, eight right now yeah, that's so wild, man. Yeah. Uh, this dude is, uh, let's see, he says, the relationship Madball has with Colder's life in Detroit hardcore is pretty big in the 90s. Do you have any good memories with Colder's life in Detroit or playing on the road with them at all? Everyone had heard myths and rumors of chaos and destruction back in, in <laughs> back in Detroit back then. <laughs> chaos and destruction. Yeah, man, you know, my, my relationship with Colder's life dates back to early 90s. When I went through Detroit with Agnostic Front, and I actually had to sing for Agnostic Front, it was on the Obituary Malevolent Creation Cannibal Corpse tour. It was a, basically a death metal tour, and plus a hardcore band, which was AF. So and dope. I was just rodian, but my brother ended up getting a hernia or something, and had to go. It, it, this story's been out and told but mm. anyway he had to sit it out and he kind of pushed me to, to to take his place and i reluctantly did it and the first show from that tour was detroit that i had to do on my own um mm. and i was like god damn it was like the most hardcore show of the whole fucking tour and you know besides like new york you know it was like damn it's like all these hardcore motherfuckers are here to see AF, and here I am, this scrawny, skinny motherfucker, you know? <laughs> no tattoos, barely, you know, maybe one or two, if that. Um, and that was my initiation with the Detroit guys, you know? And I went out there, and I did my best, and they, they, they gave me a lot of respect. They loved it, but that's where my relationship formed. Like, I formed a friendship with, like, uh, Ronnie, rest in peace, who's the original singer for Cold as Life. Mm -hmm. um and, and jeff and and dougie and and roy and that whole original squad um and so uh yeah we 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 formed a little bit of a we clicked and then uh ronnie and i exchanged information and funny enough we used to write letters to each other because that's how you communicated back then this was like you know pre pre-internet i mean computers existed but like not, you know, this is not you. We're talking 92, 93, you know. Um, so no one was communicating like that. Um, and 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 so and no one had cell phones. <laughs> so we would write letters to each other, me and Ronnie from Cold as Life. Oh, that's um, cool. And 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 then they came to New York and they did a show with us. And then we fucking rolled through the town and we had a good time. We smacked a couple people around <laughs> that were being disrespectful to my brother. And it was, it, it was chaos was involved, but more than anything, it was fun. And, and, and rest in peace, Ronnie, he was a real true stand-up guy, true stand-up guy. And the whole, the whole squad were, you know, we, we kept the friendship for years after that, you know, it changed It morphed into a couple other things, but, but uh, yeah, that core relationship, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, and I think respect. once you guys put the song out, you know, like it yeah. kind of cemented in like the uh, the relationship, you know, yes, for sure, for sure, classic song, too. Yeah, and we stayed, we thank you, and we stayed friends with the rest of the you know, after Ronnie passed, we still remained friends with the rest of the, the uh, you know, the newer formation of Golda's Life, and you know, we crossed paths, and we would always, whenever we were in Detroit, always love, always cool, always we would chill with them, and so yeah, there's definitely a relationship there for years nice. now check this dude this i like this question outside of agnostic front what's your biggest new york hardcore band influence 
Killing Time. Killing Time. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. Very cool. Killing yeah. Time. Very cool songs. Yeah, Hoy always gets the credit for being the big Killing Time guy in the band, but I, actually, I'm also a big Killing Time guy. <laughs> you yeah. know, he, 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 we, we love, we all love that band. Maddie loved them. Maddie Henderson, Willie, uh, we, the whole original squad, and even the new squad. I mean, Mikey, uh, you know, Mike Justin loved. You know, he, he, that's one of his top records from from from. Uh, I don't know about MG, but. Uh, yeah, man, we we love we love that record. I mean, they're they're sort of underrated because you always think Victim think in Pain, so. Age of Quarrel, obviously Sick of It All's in that mix, and you you can think of you can rattle off some names, and Killing Time sometimes gets overlooked, but yeah, and musically especially, they their songs were just like different enough, but Killing Time style, yeah, you know, it, it, they had a really cool right style. side is almost perfect, yeah, the almost perfect record. I mean. I would almost put it at my number one, but I have to give the number one to Victim in Pain, you know. And 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 Age of Crow is very high up there as well. But I don't know. I think for me, Brightside would edge out Age of Quarrel for me. Very cool. That that's good. I, I knew I was gonna like the answer to that one. <laughs> I think this guy might be from uh, Japan. He says, "What was the cause of your incarcerations many years ago?" None of your fucking business. I like that I'm answer. <laughs> <laughs> I got into some shit, you know, dumb, made some bad decisions and no one to blame but myself. So Look at that, that self-accountability. I like that. Always, brother. Always. It had nothing to do with hardcore. It was outside, removed from the scene. It was in my own personal life, hanging with my friends. And one thing led to another. And, you know, words were exchanged and maybe a couple of shots went off somewhere. I don't know. But, uh. You know, you live and you learn. And and thankfully, I had good friends that had connections to really good lawyers. And Beautiful. that helped me out majorly because it went from me doing a couple of years to me doing six months, you know. That's so, that's really how it is, too, man. It's all lawyers, brother. I don't know yeah. who this or that. Oh, why'd you get such little time? It's lawyers, yeah. you know, or, or if you're rat. And obviously, that's never that's never going to be an option. That would never. You know, who am I going to rat on on myself? Yeah. You know, so 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 that was never an option anyway, even if it was 10 guys involved in. Uh, yeah. But besides that, it's lawyer and how they navigate and who they know. I mean, my lawyer played golf with the judge. So there you go. That's key. <laughs> Check this guy out. This is good. It was very uh, complimentary. Congrats on your accomplishments. You have been an incredible influence on my life. Thanks to your persona and your lyrics, which I live by, what wow. lyrics have helped you? Uh, thank you, by the way. Shit. Another, another really very nice, very heartfelt nice. Uh, um, shout out there, man. Thank you, my man. Uh, greatly appreciated. Um, lyrics of, of of another band, I'm guessing, or not my I own. I would imagine, right? yeah, maybe, yeah, other, another weird. band. It'd be weird to be like. Inspired yeah. by all my own lyrics. No, um, no. Um, you know that's going to be a really hard question to answer because it's like people asking you what's your top five records. It's like you'll never get the same answer twice because it's like I love so many albums from so many different people in so many different genres that it would be an impossibility for me to ever tell you like who's my favorite artist. I don't know who my fucking favorite artist is. It might feel different. Yeah one week to the next um so 
what inspires me lyrically is just there's so many songs, man. Like there's just so many great songs out there. Many Johnny Cash songs. Many like uh, uh, hip hop songs. You know, like, and, and there's so much. It's like it's how you feel. It's what state of mind you're in. What vibe you got going on. And uh, yeah, man. You know, shit. That is pretty tough, isn't it? It's a tough one. Yeah, it's a tough to pick like a, a handful of like lyrics. I mean, I I'm still being inspired by by uh by stuff stuff that I hear, you know? I mean, hardcore stuff as well, of course, you know, all kinds of stuff, man. I mean, a good a good lyric and a good song is it's 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 hard to really pinpoint just one one thing, you know? It's it's, it's many things. It's all of it. Yeah. yeah. And it's time and place, what you're going through. Right. The, the thing that was so important two years ago, you might hear it again. It just, it doesn't uh, hit because you're doesn't in that situation. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's true. You might be in a hip hop vibe, you know, you might be in that mind state. You might be hearing, you know, listening to Biggie and Pac or this or that, you know, you might be in that kind of vibe. And then, you know, you know next week you might be in a rock and roll kind of vibe. Exactly. You know, listening to, you know, the animals or something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. You know, they have great lyrics. You know, they have great stories. Yeah. Well, maybe you could answer this guy's question. This is, uh, it might, maybe not, though. Top three rappers. Hmm. See, there you go. That's, that's, that's that goofy shit. Like, I can't. Yeah, that's hard. I'm not calling you goofy, my man. I'm just saying that that's like such a hard thing for me personally. Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, Rakim is in there. Absolutely, mm-hmm. in that top three. And then the others are just interchangeable um, because I like different guys for different reasons. You know, like uh, uh, Biggie's in there. You know, I feel like Biggie would be in there as, as one of my top three, Rakim and Biggie. And then, but then there's like Nas, and then there's like uh, uh, um, um, KRS, and then Cool G Rap, and then there's uh, Chuck D. So you can't, you can't like Very the, third, diverse. Yeah. the third slot would be like, Almost impossible. Big pun yeah. is great, you know. Like, you know, big pun is so good. <laughs> underrated yeah. in, a, in, yeah. in a way too, because he passed early, you know. But crazy, you know. Yeah, check this. This is a good. This is a good one. Yeah. Because I'm not too sure. I kind of. Uh, I kind of think I might know. But do you prefer metal over punk or punk over metal? Hmm. Hmm. I'm thinking Damn. punk because I don't I, recall I, you to be yeah. a big metal guy. Well, yeah, I was just going to – I didn't want to hurt any metalheads' feelings, but um, thanks for answering, Richie. You are, is that what co- it is? You're is correct that right? on that. Yeah, you're correct on that. If I had to pick the punk next over. genre over, not to say I don't like metal because I do like metal and I do appreciate it and I do respect its place. You know, like, you know, there's some very good metal out there. Um but if I had to pick between metal and punk, for me personally, I would probably lean towards punk. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. After, that's hardcore. What, After hardcore. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. of course, there's good metal bands. No, no, no need for any Great. metal guys to cry. Great. Freddie, you got so many questions, man. You got so That's many. Right. Whenever you're bored with these, let me know. Nah, man. Hit me, All right. hit me with it. The people I, I, haven't, I haven't gotten yelled at yet for being, for doing, for being in here doing this. So I'm, I'm all good. Beautiful. We're good. The kid wants his gaming headpiece back. He wants to play the video yeah. game. <laughs> exactly. Check this out. Any notable injuries caused at shows? I guess like that you got. Were you injured? Any notable injuries that you got caused uh, that Sev- happened at shows? Several. 
But I, I would say the most the most gruesome one was that time I smashed my face in um in uh I guess it was Quebec City, um where I collided with someone. I I was motioning. I was doing a move. Uh, I was doing a move like motioning forward, and someone was coming up the stage dive. Oh shit! So my head. Oh my god! Smacked the back of this guy's head. Not like you know somewhere soft. Yeah. Um, Your so face did. smashed the back of the head. My face smashed the back oh of my head. god. Yeah. And then immediately my I had like the boxer cut, you know, like over the eyebrow. I don't know if mm -hmm. I had an old injury there that reopened or if it was just right. You know, when it hits that spot, it's like splits open, like, you know, major. And so, yeah, it was like nasty. Like you could even, I feel like you could see my skull. It was like, it was, oh, shit. It was like crazy. It was like many layers. It was like, when you can see that white stuff behind like white, the, the yeah, red. Oh yeah. oh yeah. It was down to the bone. Yeah. Um, um, and I would have to say that that you know I've I've cut my head before I've cut I've gotten little cuts and scrapes and I, I hit I injured my ribs on a on a persistence tour once really badly I thought they were broken but we did an X-ray and it turns out they weren't broken but we don't know what the extent of like the soft tissue damage and all that was I would venture to say that they were badly sprained mm -hmm. and it made me. It, 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 I was basically incapacitated. Like, uh, you know, there was the first show where a bunch of guys came out and helped me sing. And then another show guys came out and helped me sing. And like, uh, it was cool in that regard. But like, those are the two things that I could think of that were like, that yeah, sucked. That's... Maybe the rib was worse because the one thing, you know, you stitch it up and it's done. Yeah. It left me a scar or whatever. But the rib thing, it didn't allow me to move around like i naturally would and it didn't feel good man it was really yeah. really and for hard a guy that's trying to like yeah. you know yelling into the mic that had oh, to be painful get about it it was it, it, just yelling was painful and then imagine me trying to walk and yell yeah you know, i couldn't walk and yell without excruciating sharp pains going throughout my body as a matter of fact that's years old that injury and i still feel it Holy shit. Yeah. It's not like to that degree, but I still feel it. So I must have mangled something up. What happened was I, I went to put my foot out on a barricade. It was a persistence tour. And mm -hmm. we hadn't done a persistence tour in like years. So it was a bummer because we couldn't really do what we wanted to do. Um, and I put my foot out on the barricade and it slipped. It must have been wet. And I just fell right on my rib cage. Motherfucker. Boom. Damn. I heard a crack and everything. So I'm like, oh, this thing is done. Yeah. And and it wasn't miraculously wasn't broken. At least not at the hospital that I went to, you know, to get it checked, you know. But it wasn't an MRI, it was just an X-ray. So who knows what kind of damage was done in there, was twisted up and fucked up and and then I, I was only able to do a normal show at the last show in England, in London. Yeah. And, I, and I let fucking I let it all out in that one because I was able to move enough to where I was like, hey, I can do this, you know. Yeah, you know, a question like that will only be asked to a guy in a hardcore band, right? Like, uh, right? Like yeah. Any other band, would be like, what do you mean? What kind of injuries did I ever get on stage? None. What are you talking about? My show. Yeah, <laughs> you're so right, Rich. Because I, I always, I yeah. always uh, compare our music 
our music, you know, our culture, our genre, whatever you want to call it. I always compare it to like sports in a way, you know, it is kind of like a fucking a sport, not just a music style, you know? Yeah. It definitely could be. Uh, check this out. This is interesting. I'm not quite sure what he means. Do you enjoy films? If so, what is your favorite movie? And Easy. were you in the background of a Pacino movie walking <laughs> the streets in New York City? Awesome. That's a fun, that's a great question. That's that's been that's been a, a myth for years. Um, for my favorite movie of all time is Godfather. One and two, interchangeable, one and two. That's like my Gone with the Wind or whatever people's favorite fucking movie is. Yeah. You know, whatever movie that people say is their best movie ever. Uh, it's all generational, too, you know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. Goodfellas is a great movie. I mean, there's a lot of... I like gangster flicks, obviously, but I love all kinds of movies. I'm not just a guy that sits there and just watch gangster flicks. I watch all types of movies. Yeah, you know, Godfather's Ricky, great. I'm more of a Godfather two guy, but both Godfather two might edge out one. It's it like what that's why I said it's interchangeable. Like those one and yeah. two, to me in my mind is the same movie. So if I had to pick an all time favorite, I would say Godfather one and two, like that 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 yeah. that movie. And then you know many movies from there, different different kinds. But yeah. Oh, and the Pacino thing. No, yeah. that wasn't me. Uh, and I think it was Devil's Advocate is what he's talking about. Oh, okay, um, that's okay. Yeah, I got. I that did hear years. something about that years ago. <laughs> I, <laughs> I got that for years, man. I, there's a cat, my doppelganger, whatever. And there's a guy out there that apparently we look alike. Did you and see it? Did you see who I they're talking saw about? It and it was pointed out to me because people kept telling me, like right around when that came out, they're like, "Look, look, right there, isn't that you?" I'm like, "No, motherfucker, that's not me." Did you think you know? it looked like you or no? I can see why you might think it. But I oh, could tell right. by the clothes out. Well, I could tell because you know your own face. But besides that, the shit he was wearing, and I was like, ah, I never had that kind of style hat, you know. Like, so there were yeah. certain things about it that, you know, I was able to debunk that right away, <laughs> okay. you know. But but I could see where someone would think that because it, <laughs> it the guy must have been a real standout. Like, uh, yeah, that's funny. He had like a look about him. I mean, you know. One day, we'll, if we're together, we'll, we'll, we'll YouTube it or something. And yeah, I'm going to look into that. Yeah, it's funny, but it's not me. No. Okay, check this guy out. How have your experiences been in Latin America? Respect and love from Chile. Chile. Or Chile. Yeah, yeah Chile. Uh, we love Latin America. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's fantastic when we go there. I mean, obviously, half the band we have latin roots and you know that's our heritage like so there's that obvious connection and we speak the lingo that mm. that's always beneficial but um besides that just from a point of like playing a show there's a lot of passion there's a lot of like you know it, the shows are fun you know chile especially is wild i mean we've had some wild experiences in chile where there was like oh yeah tanks and riots and oh all kinds of wild <laughs> ass shit like i'm like what the fuck is going on and we had to wait around the corner in this van like all fucking secret service style and then like okay we're gonna find a window and we're gonna go in and it's gonna get crazy when you're going in i'm like yo what the fuck man we're just like a hardcore band like like that was like probably our first time in chile and then uh we roll up and then they're like run out and then it's like make chaos you know half the people are trying to 
uh, causing a riot so they can bum rush the show and get in. And there's beeps outside. There's smoke bombs going off. I mean, now if you start, yo, if you start spitting Spanish up there, do the people just bug out or what? I mean, they definitely connect because I mean, you know, hardcore music is is not, you know, it's typically known as it it is an American. Yeah, for uh, sure. Art form, you know, so it's like, and mostly it's in English, you know. So I think when one of the few bands that actually speak the lingo and actually do songs in Spanish come out, it's probably people feel extra connected to it somehow. Yeah. I would imagine. I could tell by these quite a lot of questions. They're very, very proud. Like a lot of Latin American cats hitting up with questions. A lot of them are the same. So you know, but uh, yeah, yeah. respect to all of them. Yeah, there's like a yeah, pride love- there. Of South America, Latin America, all of it, man. Of course, I mean, you know, but I love everywhere around the world. You know, I mean, we, you know, we, I love Germany. You know, I, I, where, wherever we get love and respect, you get it right back. You know, and, and but but the shows have a lot of the shows in South America are fun. I mean, these motherfuckers go off. Nice, you know, they go. So respect to that. Check this, dude. Years ago, Madball broke up. Thankfully, the band returned. What was the reason for the breakup? And what was the reason for the return? Um, the reason for the breakup was pretty simple, man. I, I had gotten into some personal trouble where I had to uh, deal with some shit and, you know, go go to jail for a little while and do some and deal with my own personal stuff. But simultaneously, we had a weird relationship going with the label at the time. And it wasn't necessarily the label's fault. It was just kind of like... Uh, it was a very unstable and unsure time for the band. And we had like a lineup where we were transitioning out of having Matt Henderson into having Beto and Darren, and they kind of weren't fully, fully committed. So the band was a bit in limbo, you know, and then you add my problem on top of that. And it was sort of just a very turbulent time for us. And, you know, we didn't want to drag the name through the mud. So Hoy and I were just like, fuck it. Let's just call it a day, man. We, we had a lot of years doing this. We had a lot of fun. We put out some good records. And that was right after Hold It Down. And, um, and we were like, let's just be done with it. And then, you know, obviously like a year goes by and a year and some change. We did a farewell tour. And that's actually Mitz did that with us. So that's how Mitz came into the mix. Oh, actually. okay. He did the farewell tour with us, you know, and then, and then, uh, and I want to say maybe even was it Rig came in that time or shortly after. But anyway, and then when we had we kind of when we decided at one point, hey, maybe we'll give it a shot again. You know, people were wondering why we broke up and this and that. And then, you know, I was we were all dealing with our own shit per, on the personal level, you know, and I was out running around the streets being an idiot. Um, I had just had some trouble and I was looking to get into more trouble, which wasn't a wise thing at all. And I met my wife, I met my girlfriend at the time who became my wife, who's my wife now. And she sort of like became a positive thing in my life. And then shortly after that, um, there was talk maybe if I should like do music again, because that always was one of the more positive outlets in my life. You know, it was, it was something that I had invested so much in. So and then so simultaneously Madball and then the Hazen Tree thing got thrown at me. So it kind of happened all at once. Like, you know, I met my lady and she kind of got me 
on a better path because I was on a really bad one. And then like shortly after I decided to take, you know, to do the mad ball thing again. And we started to dabble in it. And then Hazel Street came and then both kind of just, we just kind of started doing both again. We started back up with both, with, with all of that, you know? And so then we got to give, we got to give wifey the props then. Well, wifey quite literally took me out of the street because I met her at a place that we frequented, me and my people frequented, and she was working there as a waitress and blah, 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 whatever. And that's how we met. But, you know, we hit it off immediately and it kind of, I kind of wanted to start hanging out with her versus getting into trouble, (laughs) you know, which was probably a smarter bet. I mean, sometimes, you know, she was out hanging out and about and was in the midst of all this, which I'm not proud of, but um she had to witness some goofiness but but uh yeah it it definitely started me off on a more positive road because the road i was on was bad i was destined to be back be locked up again or or worse and and um and so that kind of made me be at home and start thinking about like what the fuck i'm gonna do with my life kind of shit you know like Mm. can't just be a derelict um and I was working security when I was with her for a little while, and that kind of kept me on the straight and narrow. And then, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of people just started saying, "Man, what the fuck? Madball was just getting started. Why don't you, why don't you give that a shot again?" You know, even my wife. And I was like, "You sure? You don't know what you're signing yourself up for?" It's like there's a lot, there's a lot to that. But even she was like, "Hey, but you, you know, you seems like you you were good at what you did, and you know, like." And so, boom, and we started doing shows again, and we did, like, a show in Jersey, and then it went really well. And so it was, like, and by then we had Mitts on board, and, you know, and then soon after we had Rig on board, and, then, you know, here we are, man, fucking about to, about to go into a 10th record. <laughs> Amazing. That's yeah. really cool. And, yo, you mentioned, uh, this is my own question, you mentioned Hold It Down. And you, I don't know if Madball knows or not, but... When you're in the scene and you're a hardcore guy and you're touring with some other bands or you're talking to other other listeners of the music, yeah, a big question is, what's your favorite Madball? That's what we all ask each other. What's your favorite yeah. Madball album? Well, Oddly, because that. that's like in the middle of your catalog, kind of. Right. So many, it's really diverse what people pick. Like I'm, you know, right. I, I got that. We always have that conversation. It's you know, it's it's a thing. Oh, but I appreciate that. Yeah, it's cool. And uh, a lot of people go to hold it down. That's like yeah. a, a really big like what what would you, what gave like the rawness and like the energy to that to that record cuz it, cool. it is kind of like it's it's got a real unique vibe to it. I think it was just I mean, you know, I can't say it was more heartfelt than any other one um because they're all heartfelt. I mean, they're all just, you know, we're pouring. Maybe it was it the way it was recorded or something? It would just seem like so like so, a real in your face record, you know? Here's what I think happened. I think it was just a culmination of yes, the production was cool. It was a nice warm it, you know, it was a different studio than it was it was a it was a different studio. Normally we would be recording in Massachusetts with this one or that one, Jamie Locke, whatever. And we actually decided to record in Jersey at Big Blue Mini. And we kind of changed up the vibe. We were close to home so we can be like doing our home routine and then come over and record. So maybe that atmosphere factored in. Uh, um, But the sounds that they got out of there were definitely some of our better sounds. 
And I think it's also maybe, I don't know, man, it's different for everyone. Uh, Everyone likes different records. Um, uh, If I had to pick one of our older records, personally, I would have also picked that one. And I think the reason is it's because you get to a point where you kind of start to know who you are a little bit and for better or worse, you know who you are. And so that's who we, where we, that's where we were, you know, like those first albums were like practice records, you know, like I didn't know how to write. I was learning how to write during set it off. I was just learning. I was Mm -hmm. just writing for the first time ever. You know, Hoya was just writing some of his, those, I mean, he had written with demise and stuff like that, but Really, he was just getting coming into his own, like around that, you know, just starting to break ground and start to figure things out and, you know, picking up from Maddie and this one. And same here. I was picking up tips from this one and that one about structure and whatever else. So I feel like those early records, they're raw and they're full of heart. But you're still kind of trying to figure things out. Um, By the time you get to hold it down you kind of know what to do more. Like I didn't like any of my vocals at all ever until hold it down. I've I don't know if I've ever told anybody this or I've ever publicly said it, but I don't like any of my vocal recordings hold it down. I can live with. And I, that's crazy to think. Yeah. And I think it's because I didn't know what I was doing Mm. and and mind you, I didn't get any classes or anything because that whole Melissa Cross thing with Hazen Street, that came way many years later. Like, But yeah. I, I figured it out on my own, uh, you know, about like texture, about like how to scream and get the right sound. I, wanted, I it, all, it all just happened from trial by error, you know, trial by fire, just from my experience, from touring, from recording multiple records, from all these experiences I finally found a lane where I was like, okay, this is how it's supposed to sound like this is. And so it gave me the confidence to spit a certain way. And I don't know. And that was what started like for me, almost like hold it down was almost a starting point. And like those other records are like demos. Wow. That's <laughs> crazy to think that man, you know, like Cause these are I, like albums it. put out on Roadrunner records and yeah, you know, and, but I mean, they're great. They're great albums. But yeah, I always I always did notice uh, hold it down like so much in the mix when asked that question. You know Colin from uh, the band Colin of Arabia from up in Boston. Yeah, I know Colin. Yeah, yeah. I remember the first time I met him, I was at a bar in Boston. My arms are up on the bar. Right. He said he just came there. He put sat right next to me, looking straight ahead. He said, "What are you drinking?" I said, "Coke with with grenadine." <laughs> he got he he bought me one. Then he never even looked at me. Still looking straight ahead. He said, "What's your favorite mad ball?" <laughs> that's how I met him. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's that a, was it. That, that, that's a that's a that's an interesting meeting right there. That's funny. Yeah, he's that's such funny. a creepy guy. It was it was good. <laughs> yeah, man, so, that, that's a funny. That's a fun. That's a cool story. That's you know, check this out. I'm gonna give you one more because it's getting okay. crazy and and, yeah. and and these are all on my phone and like getting deeper and deeper and skipping. Okay. This is a pretty we cool could question. Recap or whatever. Yeah, that. man. With Hoya, I had him back on a couple. Had I Hoya saw, on I like saw a, that. I saw yeah. like, how many times you're going to have this guy on there. Like, you know what? We, it's so many, you know, people love Madball. Like the questions uh, come in and people want to know this. They want to know that. A lot of interviews either. So it's kind of like, yeah. 
It's good. Yeah. And, you know, we all have a rapport. You know, we all we all got, you know, we're all fam, so it's, it's always good. Yeah. Plus, you guys know how to talk. You talk to some guys. They're like deadbeats. They don't even uh. know how to respond. You <laughs> know what I mean? <laughs> but check this out. Without Mike as an option, yeah. which former Madball drummer was most complimentary to the Madball style? Um, That's probably tough, right? I mean, Willie is. You always had great drummers. You always Will Shepler is the originator, so he helped form formulate the sound. You know, so you mm. can't you can't not give credit to Will Shepler because, you know, that's the foundation of this band. I mean, Willie is before Matt Henderson. Yeah, and the drums are such a important part of this band. Big that, part. Yeah, so he laid out. This is how it should he be. He laid down the foundation without a doubt. You know, yeah. like you can't mention Madball without saying Will Shepler. You know, mm. after that, standout drummers, honestly speaking, I got to give a lot of credit to Rig. Rig was a very, very real strong drummer, strong drummer who brought his own flavor and also complimented people like Will and stuff like that. Like he complimented the old style, but brought a new, very heavy hitting flavor. And of course, Mike, I mean, Mike. Mike is is the best. Yeah. You know, Mike is the guy who brings it all together. He brings the old, the new, the you know, the heavy, the hard, the stylish. You know, Mike is the glue. You know, Mike, Mike's, Mike's. You know, I love him. You know, he's great. and like and like a true musician. You know, what true I mean? musician. Like, yeah, yeah. He's the most musical by far, as far as knowledge, musical knowledge goes, and like the guy can play multiple instruments. Like he's the most musical. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't play around with, with Madball. Like, the dude hits hard and does his job properly. Killer drummer. You always had, I thought, dope drummers. Yeah, we I thought that was a good question that guy asked because. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Very I mean, good. like, Riggs, devastating. But Will Shepler, that's like, yeah. The yeah. When you think of, of Madball, you know, and the style of music it is, you think of a kind of. People always say bounce. You probably hear it, right? Bounce, yeah. this bounce. And that's then, all Will, Will, I mean, yeah. you know, that, that's with the help of, of, of everyone, you know, because. Of course, of you know, course. Yeah. Hoya, Hoya brought a, a certain flavor and element to the band, Maddie. Everyone brought an element. And we kind of had to, you know, Willie had to adjust to other people's flavor, too. You know what I mean? Like, Willie was a little bit more of a straightforward guy. And he also had to adapt to like this a little bit more of a groove bouncy kind of vibe that like Hoya was bringing or mm -hmm. Matt or myself with the vocals, whatever, you know, like, so it was all a learning experience and an adjustment. Everyone was adjusting to each other, but I got to say, you know, all those first records were Willie, you know, from the, the first releases from the ball of destruction to drop many suckers to uh, set it off to demonstrate my style, you know? Um, so, he he is a big part of our sound. You got to give him that credit. Even if, you know, stylistically, he kind of has his own bop, but he still was able to adjust that to Madball, and he created a foundation in a lot of areas, too. You know, so, yeah, Will Shepler, mm -hmm. you got to give him his props, man. You know, Yo, and if you look at your lineup now and you got Mike, Mike Ganeri on guitar, that dude is a sick guitar player. Ganeri, oh, I love that guy. Thank you, guys, by the way. We got him because of you guys. Dude, you, you made him, a smart you. fucking move because <laughs> did you just ever watch him just jamming out? With like, you. That fool is, 
I'm just saying, like on his own, sitting there oh, ripping yeah, 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 Jimi yeah, yeah. Hendrix and Van Halen and whatever yeah. he wants to play, the dude could play it. Yeah, the dude could play his his instrument, you know. But but honestly, when we played, we crossed paths, and he was filling in for you guys. I was watching him play with you because he had some big shoes to fill, and he was doing well. You know, he was hanging yeah. in there, and I was like, this kid can play his instrument, you know. And you know what? You saw him on his first show with us without any rehearsals. Right, right. Yeah. Without his own guitar. Remember, his guitar didn't even show up on that That's tour. That's right. That's right. And you guys were telling me that. So I was factoring all that in going, damn. And that night, I think I might have told you. I definitely told Joe. I said, Joe, keep an eye on this guy for me, man. I was like, if you don't, you know, if, if he's going to, you know, just <laughs> be a fill-in guy. If he's just going to be a fill-in guy, well, we're looking for a guy and... Yeah, I'm sure so enough. glad because he he deserves to be in a dope band. He deserves to have those experiences. Well, we're He's great. a killer we're player. We're, we're grateful to have him, you know, because it, we're hard. We're hard. You know, you know how it goes. It's not just how good you are. It's also can you handle, you know, what this has to offer on every level. And for us, we got to live together for periods of time. So is your personality going to? you know, mesh with ours, you know, all those things are, are factors, you know, yep. can you hang yep. with the, being in a hardcore band. Can you hang with, you know, all of it, you know, all of it. And, 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 the, and the dude can hang, man, he can hang and he's awesome. And he's a pleasure to be around. He's actually yeah. a nice, funny guy. So very cool. Yeah. Laid back dude. Yeah. He, he's a gentleman. He's, he's a little too tall though. He's probably, if you do have a, yeah. a tour in a van, you got to be next to his long ass legs. I'm going to have off of him a little bit, but you know. Uh, <laughs> that poor guy on a plane, it probably sucks on a plane oh, for that guy. Forget it. Yeah. That's yeah. He's a, he's a tall guy, man. That's that rough. That's rough on a plane. And plus but you, know, you want, a, you're the front man. You want to be the tallest guy on the stage. You should make him stand behind <laughs> the drums. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wish I was big just once. Uh, uh, right. <laughs> Yo, Freddie, listen, we appreciate it, man. Yeah, no, and uh, no. if you don't mind, we'll get up with you again some other time, and uh, we'll talk no, about no. more stuff. Get some more questions no, in. You down? I don't mind, man. If people if people don't don't get sick of of of, of hearing me talk on this one, and and you want to do something else, man, that hit me up anytime. It'd be my pleasure, man. Dope, bro. I appreciate that. We'll talk to you soon, and I got to get Joe on with you because Joe was pissed. He could, he's uh, been working so hard lately, and I had to do some of these alone. And then today he hit me up this morning. He's like, "What time are you doing?" And I want to do it. I said at twelve. He's like, "Fuck, I can't do it." Well, then now we got a reason to do it because exactly. I would love, I would love for Joe to be in on the convos too, man. Uh, you know, both of you. But it was great, man. It was great talking to you. You had a lot of great things to talk about and a lot of good questions and shit, man. I really appreciate you having me, man. Yeah, man. Thank you very much for doing. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Yeah, yeah. Hit up, hit up. Let's let's get up when it's when all three of us could talk a little more shit. All right, home. You want to say anything else? You're good. Thank you very much for everything, man. And and to everybody listening, thank you for the support. Thanks for supporting our band and the culture, for supporting these guys and their podcasts and the whole movement. 2021, we're going yeah, we're gonna, to come strong. All right, bro. Respect. I'll talk to you soon. Respect, brother. Bye-bye. Thanks a lot for listening. We really appreciate it. Post America Podcast will always be there for you. Don't forget that. Tune in next time for more fun with the boys. Until then, get your fucking ass out of here before I give you a smack, motherfucker! Who the fuck you think you in? This is post-America! You ain't shit, motherfucker!